Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, bud? Good. How's it going, man? I'm, uh, you know, doing okay. It's been, uh, you know, like a, a rough month, but uh, it's, you know, everything is 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 going um, this weekend, in fact, I'm going to be heading down to Los Angeles to do this uh, suburban fight event that's going on where it's going to be like hardcore bands and wrestling, and I'm going to be doing a live Turn Out a Punk podcast with without you, Chris, which, you know, always, <laughs> anytime I have to do this without you, it, it changes the way we do things. It's not the same show. Well, I appreciate the thought. Um, I'm not worried for you doing it without me. I think you're going to do a great job, as always. But um, I will say I'm very envious of you being able to go to California in February. Um, that I am envious of. And the event, of course, as well, for sure. Yeah, like it's 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 an amazing lineup of wrestlers, definitely, at this event. Um, Chris? Yo, yeah, I'm there. Oh, oh sorry, you cut out for a second. Um, uh, you know, it's a, a ridiculous lineup of wrestlers I'm, for the live podcast. I guess I should, I don't know, I'll run through the wrestling first. Like, you know, cause let's be honest, like if you're listening to this podcast, the live podcast is, is the main event. It just, <laughs> just yep. happens to be the opening act, but it's like gauze. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, it's not. The wrestling is definitely gauze in this situation because that night it's going to be, uh, Espiritu. Uh, Ardente, I gotta double check my pronunciation on that, wrestling against Kikotaro, and then it's Darby Allen versus Jeff Cobb, and then it's Brody King versus Matt Cross. So that's like, that's like one of those matches that, that could be for the King of Punk title. That could be for the Turned Into Punk <laughs> championship. Sure. You know, those are two I'd like guests. I'm more excited that in the intro you mentioned how you made specific merch for this event. <laughs> I do. I have a shirt that's coming out. It's a the Punk Wrestling Connection shirt. And then yeah. in the back, in different wrestling logo fonts, it says Unity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and then it's got, like, you know, it's got a straight edge, hardcore kid's hand holding a wrestler's hand as... <laughs> As the actual logo nice. itself, yeah. It's uh. Well, I'm gonna have shirts. I don't, I, Chris, you, you better believe you're getting one. <laughs> well, we all know that I like to spread the the message of the the wrestling being the what was it number one on. What is your criteria for this again? <laughs> wrestling is the number one punk adjacent <laughs> physical activity. There we go. There we go. Yeah. That's that's Fair what enough. I'm sticking to. Right. I really hope that uh, I do. I, f- I have this sneaking suspicion that, assuming that you have someone actually selling your things, that you will sell them. So I hope you do. I think I think these ones they don't have my fucking face on them for one thing. So that's a <laughs> step in the right direction. And uh, yeah, no, I think these will be these are cool shirts. I'm looking forward to you know I did them in sort of the classic hulkamania colors people could call it but i prefer to think of it as the inverse of the judge schism shirt (laughs) well said yeah it's very true you know that's what i kind of did it as so you can you can uh you know offset your judge schism shirt that your friend's wearing that's what i wanted to balance it as (laughs) um but also on the card uh misery 
and Dead Heat are going to be playing as well in between the matches. I don't know them. Are they West Coast bands or yeah, who are they? Yeah, yeah, hardcore bands. So it's going to be like oh, okay. it's like a straight up hardcore show. And then uh, there's also going to be uh, people from We Watch Wrestling podcast doing live commentary, and then little old me doing the ring nice. announcing. Well done. That's going to be great. Are you going to actually be like sitting at a table, like ringside? No, I'm going to be in the ring. You know, the, well, there's no ring actually. That's the thing about this. There's no ring. So oh, okay. It's just like people like. Basically, it's a bar fight, you know. It's kind of, kind of <laughs> happening like like a super stylized bar fight will be happening in front of us, and uh, yeah, like I'm going to be there to kind of introduce the combatants. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I get what you mean. I thought you were also doing like the uh, whatever you want to call like the the ringside, whatever it is. Too. I didn't know if you're doing Commentary. that also. Yeah, there we go. No, that's going to be handled by the people that do uh, We Watch Wrestling podcast. Either way, yeah. Very popular podcast and a, a great podcast, but they, they, you know what? I, I, I get to be Howard Finkel. <laughs> True. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun event. You can watch it live on Twitch, too. So, uh, Chris, do you use Twitch? I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I have seen some young people talk about it, not to sound super old and square, but yeah, uh, I don't. For me, it's not that I like, yeah, no. Short answer, no. <laughs> well, I, I'm not opposed to it to watch this event, but I just mean I don't know what that is. I can't be bothered at the moment. We'll log in, Chris, and, and potentially watch some of this event because – uh, the 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 brawls will be will be brawling. It's gonna be. I, I'm super excited <laughs> for this wrestling. Like this is a wrestling card would have me stoked, you know. And then the fact that I get to be there too as as a ring announcer, like I'm I'm extra stoked on that. Yes. And then you add to that that there's hardcore bands playing. And yes. Finally, Chris, uh, we're gonna have the. Uh, the final uh, level on our multi-tiered cake of 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 this sh- event, and that is at 3 p.m. at Resident in Los Angeles, there will be a Turned Out a Punk Live, the Punk Wrestling Connection. That's what I'm calling <laughs> nice. this event. That's the sub subtitle for this event, Chris. Yeah, so I'm seeing a theme here. Go on. <laughs> yeah, and this 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 is going to have. Uh, people from the worlds of musics and from the uh, worlds of wrestling uh, coming together in celebration of the love of punk rock. <laughs> yes, as as you're trying to campaign so heavily about. Yes, yeah, gotcha. But, but now it's happening, Chris. Now it's <laughs> fucking happening. You're ushering in this uh, this triumphant sea change, if you will. Yeah, yeah, like returning. Returning to the podcast is going to be Bob from Best Coast. You know, nice. Yeah, actually, I, I, uh, whatever. I saw you either put that online or it was in the intro. I can't remember, but yeah, his his was great. Uh, I'm psyched on that dude. Well, I want to speak to him. I wish I was going even more because of that specifically. Not no shade on anybody else, but I'd like to talk to that man. I think he and I would get along greatly. Well, someone else that uh, I'm pretty sure you get along with as well. Former guest on this podcast as well, Riley from Power Trip will be on to talk nice. about uh, being a, a theme song for a hometown major WWE event this year. 
Oh, that's funny. That actually has happened. Nice. That's happened. And so he's going to be on to talk all about that. And, you know, he, Riley's like one of, my, one of my favorite people to talk to at any point because he is hilarious and, and definitely, yeah, it'll be a fun a fun conversation with him again. And then Anthony from of Ceremony is going to be on, and he's got, I think, if he's going to tell these stories, he's got stories about a wrestler that, that you know, a very popular wrestler <clears throat> that I think are going to be very, very interesting for wrestling fans to hear. <laughs> I know that's a tease, yeah, and I don't want to bit. give it away in case he doesn't want to go there. But if he does want to go there, um, it, yeah. So, uh, also appearing, uh, Pat from Turnstile will be on talk about being a massive wrestling fan, and you know having a song used once again by NXT and being able to kind of go there to any NXT show now and converting his band to the rest of or some of the rest of his band to becoming huge wrestling fans too. Um, so yeah, it's going to be uh, a great conversation. Also, Brody King coming back to the podcast. Uh, there's also going to be Tuna from Dog Teeth, one of the people I would say with the best taste in punk that I've ever met. Uh, she also an incredible DJ and a fucking pro wrestler. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> finally, and this is oh Darby Allen. Someone I've been trying to get on this podcast forever, pro wrestler, named himself after Darby Crash and Gigi Allen. But Chris, wait for it. <laughs> yep. He's straight edge. That dude's straight edge? Darby Allen's straight edge. <laughs> and that's the most ironic uh, moniker of all time. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And he, yeah. he owns the irony, too. So anyway, uh, Darby yeah. Allen will be on the podcast before his wrestling that night. And also, finally... Finally, this guy was supposed to be one of the first 10 episodes, but he's been ducking me for this fucking long. Nathan from Waves. Oh, really? I, I don't know why I thought you had interviewed him already, but did you – was it maybe for TV-related things yeah. before? Yeah, I did some TV okay, stuff gotcha. for, the, for The Wedge a couple times, but yeah, yeah. he's ducked this podcast, you know? He's ducked well, it for so long. And finally, this podcast is going to catch up to him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so sweet. That was probably it sounds big though. That's a lot of guests. Like how? Guests. What's the setup? Are you doing it like over? Is it more than one day? Uh, no, that's all one one show. Wow. I think we have two hours. Okay. Um, and all also, right. Chris, I'm not going to announce these people um, because you know, as you and I both know from what it's like doing these yeah. things live, anything can happen. But I have uh, a few people that are also going to be phone calling in to the, nice. to the event too that couldn't be there because of geographic reasons or they had to do other stuff that weekend. But they want to be a part of this event, you know? Like as as like I'm sure when you do your punk soccer connection or whatever, <laughs> yeah. ska soccer connection. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Not so much. You know, you'll have all the soccer people calling in that can't be there because they have their soccer games that day and their soccer stadiums playing soccer. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Uh, I think that's slightly different. I think it's more of a. Uh, I don't know how to even address that. But yeah, go on. <laughs> that doesn't exist, is what I'm trying to say. No, go on. <laughs> no. But but anyway, we've got a lot of people calling in, and it's going to be a fun time. And. uh yeah, I'm super stoked. So um, that's 3 p.m. on Sunday at Resident in Los Angeles, and then there's a big show that night. Very, very jealous. 
very jealous of not being there. Uh, I'm I'm kind of jealous of uh, myself for you know. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, it's it's been uh, something to kind of like look forward to in an otherwise kind of you know not so great time. So it's yeah, yeah. stoked to get out there. Um, how you been lately though, buddy? Yeah, good. You know, same old. Nothing's up with me. I lead a very uh, very, you know, every day is very similar, so I don't really have much to say other than when I get some records or do this stuff. You say that, but, uh, Chris. Go on. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was done pretty much. No, you weren't. No, you weren't because I was looking on a certain unmentionable uh, social media, and oh, okay. yeah, I yeah. noticed that you were at a, uh, a concert in the last. True. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I do that when I can. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what one you're talking about, though. Well, I, think, think. I think I uh, didn't you go and see Dan's band? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um yeah, so Ancient Shapes played. Well, actually just finished a tour, actually. I should probably uh uh have mentioned that. Ancient Shapes, of course, uh for those who don't know, if you like sort of power pop, uh, you know, with an edge, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ancient Shapes are a band, which is uh sort of a one project band. A one-man project band, pardon me, that it has like a live outfit. But uh, anyway, the records are very good. There's a record out on You've Changed here in Canada, but it's uh, Damien and I, mutual friend of ours, uh, Mr. Daniel Romano, and it's wonderful. They just finished a cross-Canada tour, and they played Toronto. So yes, I was there uh, working it. So I didn't see a not even a second of the actual show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, not, not even one. What not even a note. It was at um, this place, well, you know, but I'm just saying it for listeners, uh, called Smiling Buddha. Oh. But uh, I was downstairs working, mm-hmm. and so I was not able to really catch the show. Um, but yeah, so it was, uh, I mean, yeah, the Ancient Shapes are great. If you haven't seen them, any of, uh, I keep band. trying to, to get them to go, um, like, you know, anywhere. Canada's great, of course, but to play outside Canada, too. So I'm trying to, if any of our, uh, especially like Northeast American friends in particular, would probably be more likely to be able to catch them at some point. But uh, if you can, go. And, uh, yeah. So the show, I mean, you know, I didn't see that show, but, you know, they're great. Yeah, so that's all I've been up to, really. Okay, well, that's, that. you know, that's something. <laughs> yeah, show. I know. I'm not I'm not trying to be, like, a downer. I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just working. I went to a show, too. I saw um, Atlas Moth and then Mirrors for Psychic Warfare, which is Scott Kelly's other, one of one of his <clears throat> few other projects uh, that he has. But it was, it was really great. A really cool show. Got to hang out with Scott. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how, you know, like Scott Kelly, music legend, you know, <laughs> yes, played in, plays in like, you know, <clears throat> one of the greatest bands ever that come out of this, like hardcore, you know, a very important band. That dude loves wrestling, and we didn't and talk he's about the, music uh, once, I don't think. He's the, what is he, he's the, he liked a CFL team, right, but the American team, did he like Baltimore, or did he likes the Rough no, his dad. His something? dad played for for a CFL team. His dad played for the yeah. There we go. I knew he liked one of those teams because yeah. he would. He mentions it in that. If people have not listened to that interview, by the way, it's great. It, it sounds like um, we're on I an. Can't air- remember what episode. Yeah, it sounds like we're on an airplane. Because <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of a background noise, but the interview is great. <laughs> the interview. The interview is amazing, and also, funnily enough, I turned to a friend of mine named Wei Ting 
to clean up that audio that time, and that's why it sounds. Believe me, before he cleaned it up, it was like almost it was completely unlistenable. Um, but he saved that episode, and Wei Ting was also there to hang out with Scott Kelly that night because nice. Scott is a massive fan of Wei's podcast about wrestling. <laughs> all back to wrestling all, all back time, to yeah. wrestling it's very weird it was i didn't even know scott was coming to town because i've been kind of uh you know dealing with some other things right now yeah of course um so i was talking away and he's like oh are you gonna see scott when he's in town and i'm like what do you mean because way's not you know way's into cool music and stuff but you know he's definitely i i wouldn't just, now i think he's a huge neurosis fan but he's not someone that i would normally would be always talking about uh neurosis or something and he's like you know, are you going to see Scott when he's in town? And I'm like, who? Scott who? He's like, Scott Kelly. And I'm like, yeah, wh- when is he in town? He's like, oh, he's coming in town. He and I are going to go hang out. And sure enough, they were there <laughs> hanging out, talking about wrestling. It's <laughs> I, the, the way to preface that is you would say that he probably does not have an extensive Tribes of Neurot collection. But um, No. Yeah, the, uh... <laughs> he's not like Gabe Sapolsky wrestling booker who, believe me, his house looks like <laughs> looks like a neurosis merch store. Yes. Um, My funny anecdote on this tale that you're speaking of is that uh, at work, I check my phone and I get a random message from you that is like, who in... Who in Toronto would put up Scott Kelly? Yes. And I was laughing at how silly my life is that I get texts from you like that hours away about <laughs> who could possibly put up like the guy from Neurosis. Well, when Scott, and, uh, when, sorry, go on, go on. No, no, I just how bizarre that is in 2018 that my life is that now. But anyway, go on. No, <laughs> no, no shade to you, but just, that was funny. When, when, and then I answered my own question because as soon as I put down the phone, I was you like. You did, yeah. Oh yeah, I know who he can stay with. Hit <laughs> yeah, up former exactly. guest and and one of my closest friends too, but massive, massive Scott Kelly fan, Chris yeah. Callahan, and Chris put him up for the night I, very willingly. Was very excited, I think, to get Scott over. Yeah, I was for like, sure. I was like, oh, I'm sending this guy. Like this is like this is like sending you know, I don't, I don't even I can't even think of an equivalency. It'd be like sending uh, <laughs> Robbie Brookside to my house and being like, hey, good good night's sleep. <laughs> And meanwhile, I'm just like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about a bunch of things. I want to talk to you about all the shit you've done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, but, but anyway, I, that was very funny. I'm glad that you got to hang, though. I didn't know if it was just like uh, he was came in and he needed a, like, a hookup for a place or what the deal was. But that's cool. You got to hang. No, I got to hang. Got to see them play and stuff. And yeah, just, you know, uh, someone that I'm in awe of constantly and stuff. So. Uh, if you get a chance to see him, uh, you know, or see the see the band, any of his any project he's involved with, check it out. And uh, yeah, it was super fun. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and I guess we're gonna go into. Oh yeah, before we get into today's show, we have to address the weekly columns submitted by the Daves. <laughs> yes. For those of you who don't listen to this show all the time or aren't familiar with the nuances of this show. This show is Chris and myself, but then we also have two regular contrib- contributors, Dave Martin and Dave, well, David Up. It was, it was, Ackerman's just gone. It's just David Up from now on. Um, and <laughs> okay, it was, yeah. It's <laughs> executive decision right now on the show. No, I'm just kidding, Dave. You can have your last name if you so choose. Uh, <laughs> yes. Because that way I would have to be just Damien Up. <laughs> I never thought of that. You would also be Chris Up. 
Yeah, don't even do it. I was gonna like I was gonna try and catch you midway there, <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> yes, but correct. We have uh, we have correspondents, and then uh, and regular whatever sort of co-hosts when they're on. However you want to say it. I did one of course last episode just with the Daves and myself, and I think it went all right. But um, uh, of course not as good as without you, Dame, for sure. But uh, yeah, and of course we have, shout out to other people right in too, not to. I know where you're going with this segue, Dame, but um, shout out to Kel, too, who sends in great stuff, and we, yes, Kel we too. appreciate all that info. Oh, absolutely. Our Kel, Nor- yeah. Norwegian correspondent. That's true, actually. I meant to say there's cert- there are three regular contributors. And you could also, as a listener, be a regular contributor, too. How do people become regular contributors to the show, Chris? Yes, yeah, so we can be reached at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com. And uh, we tend to, when we're doing the show regularly enough and we can get on the schedule, go through the mailbag and get stuff out there pretty easily. We've been doing a pretty good job of it lately. So, um, But again, of course, our schedule's been a little mishmash this month for you know obvious reasons. So, uh, But yeah, that's how you reach us. Yeah, so send any mind-blowing facts or uh, you know points of contention. But like, if you're listening to this show, you know the kind of shit we like to talk about. So yeah, uh, sure. and and that's one thing I will say about both Daves. They can uh, they can spark a conversation. <laughs> I got this yeah. email this afternoon from Dave Martin, and even though I was like <laughs> dealing with a lot of other things work related at the time, I had to respond immediately to this email. <laughs> but now I would like to publicly take this email to task. Um, okay, Dave uh, Martin starts by saying everyone was into Kiss. This is of course referring to this week's episode with patty schmel i wouldn't even introduce i'm sorry i didn't even introduce this episode sorry chris for not doing that for hey me. no worries hey yep um, you didn't do your plugs either i don't think but go on yeah just find me on social media outlet for damien please subscribe to this write a review rate it um and uh uh that's it that's that's really i think all the plugs and and you don't want to be found on social media. I do not. Nope. So don't even go I'm looking. I'm not found. I don't exist. Go does on. not exist. He's not on any no. of those platforms. So nope. don't go on Snapchat and look up uh, CarryOnFan73. <laughs> yep. Well, you can. It's just not me. <laughs> go on. Is it, Chris? Is it? <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I like 73 as the random number you chose to, but no, absolutely not. <laughs> no problem with Carry On having said that, but go on. No, no. Uh, okay. Everyone was into Kiss, Dave Martin says. Seriously, if you are around my age and into music, it is only notable if you were not into Kiss. The Pacific Northwest was just in a unique position to capitalize on it. Okay. This is referring to when <laughs> I make a point to Patty that it seems like everyone was super into Kiss in the Pacific Northwest. I, I know everyone was into fucking Kiss. I understand that. Um, I just think that no scene wore it on its sleeve <laughs> as proudly at that point in history as the kind of Seattle Pacific Northwest scene. I, yeah, I think this is a – I don't know how to parse this one because I feel like <laughs> this is be better if Dave's here debating with you. But um, I get, I got your point. I, I think it's funny that there's such a uh, – in the, the sort of the uh, behind-the-scenes communiques about the show, this was a point that was sort of uh, really sort of looked at particularly, which I – listening to the interview, I didn't think was anything out of the ordinary. But um, – Clearly, I'm not as into Kiss, maybe, as the Daves. I don't know. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't vividly remember personally much uh, related to like the Pacific Northwest related to Kiss in this era myself, other than like the Melvins covering it on Houdini or whatever they cover. I can't remember its song. That's on. That's on. Um, also on CZ Records comp. There's like that's the same one on the cover. They cover another Kiss song. They cover another Kiss song. They also do oh, okay. another Kiss song on like a Brian Walsby uh, book CD, like one of the CDs. Yeah, and they. Yeah, and they do the. Um, the, the Kiss solo album lifts like they did that yeah. with like the picture face whatever I don't know what you want to call it the solo records they they mimicked that too so those are the only really like references I ever thought about with relating to that but um, well, tribute comp too yeah I didn't know about that you know I didn't know about that I just now that never came to mind so this is more of you and Dave but I guess yeah that the, white the zombie question. record right where like Rob Zombie's got Gene Simmons severed head on it. I'm just trying to think of other. You got the Human Furnace from Ringworm was always really into repping Kiss and is a huge fan of Kiss. You know, like they're big fans of music, and you know, but I just don't know if it was as, you know, Melvin. Maybe it's just the Melvins that really wore it. Well, like I think that. the point you bring up, like I, you may, you may be onto something. I'm just, a, I'm not the person to be able to know for sure because I don't really, I either wasn't paying attention to that or whatever, but. Um, but the one point I think you do have is that in the, uh, how to say it, like of the specific era of which we're largely discussing, which I believe to be mid '80s to '90, early '90s even, mm-hmm. um, it's you know no question it's the worst era of contemporary Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> like so, for someone to be repping like riding really hard for Kiss in those years. In hindsight, it to me is really odd. But then again, I was not, um, you know, the age Dave was in those years, so maybe it wasn't. But to me, in hindsight, I just think like, no, it's like that's like those are the worst, you know, it's <laughs> the worst Kiss era. I don't know why you would be going so crazy for it. So the idea of like that Kiss revival of like good Kiss in those years, if that is specific to the Pacific Northwest, it you know you may be onto something there. I don't know. I can't verify it, but yeah, like. That I think you might have a point about, and then maybe that's what Dave and you should be arguing about <laughs> specifically. Well, I don't. I you know what? Arguing about Kiss is something that you know. <laughs> I think we can all agree to disagree if, uh, but whether or not, I uh, know. I you know what? I'll give it to Dave. Kiss is popular everywhere, but you know, I think the the comp and the Melvins uh, professed love for Kiss kind of kind of tipped the scales a little bit. But okay, we can move on. No, I think I think one comparison I would make is that I do think it has like the idea of when you hear about um, like the Black Flag being really psyched on like the Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Something like that, like the Melvins being super psyched on Kiss, that has that same vibe, but of course, like whatever a decade or so apart. So I think you're onto something there. I don't know if it's just Melvins or or Pacific Northwest related specifically but that i think is a point to note and i do think it is like you know as much as like kiss army has always had that sort of you know kitschy aspect to it to all people who kind of like that like you know whatever rock music or whatever but uh yeah i don't know i i just think those years it's like to me people going hard for kiss in those years seems strange to me mm-hmm. but you know i who knows um and now i guess we can move on to uh, another point which uh, I found interesting that Dave brings up, which is Screaming Trees 
he was wondering if the tape that was given to Patty was the same tape that was also given to Greg Ginn. Um, and then he uh, brings up the Beat Happening, Screaming Trees combo record and was talking about the fact that that record doesn't really get enough attention, uh, which I would agree with. It is one of the weirder records to kind of come out of that scene, but also I think like illustrates how kind of diverse and yet intermingled that scene was at that time. Yeah, that one, I mean, I'm not, I've never been a Screaming Trees guy, so actually I've never really been, and again, I don't dislike these bands, but I've never been big on either group, mm-hmm. so I that one is not on, really on my radar either, but it's just not something I would really be looking out for. I'm just trying to look it up now to get a reference to see if I've even seen it. Oh yeah, huh. Oh, it's on Homestead too. Well, there's so a Vaseline's about- Beat Happening split. It's like a split it's just, This is like the perfect 88. This was released. Homestead and K released it, of course. Yep. And it's, yeah, four songs to each side. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I 50, don't know this. 53rd and 3rd put it out in uh, in the UK, it looks like, which is the label that put out, um, like, uh, the Vaseline stuff, put out the BMX Bandits, to little Gosh, and, like, all that, like, kind of killer stuff. Nice. It's a cool, like, cool-looking record too. But um, I've never like Beat Happening's decent. Screaming Trees, my associations with them are not the greatest because I only really remember sort of them. Only really got in the records or not got into, but like remember that. I'm trying to think of the record here. I'll look it up now. Whatever it is, in like the post-grunge explosion mm-hmm. era record, mm-hmm. uh, the major label which one. I want to, yeah, I want to say it's like maybe Sweet Oblivion. Yeah. And, I mean, again, I don't really know the record. I remember the, I can't remember the song, but they're in the forest or something. There's a video. I don't know. But, uh, I nearly lost you there. Oh, that's it. Okay, second song, I guess, on this record. Yeah. yeah that, so, yeah, that so like, that was my association to them. So I never really, like, had a real deep yearning. But uh, Beat Happening, of course, has that in hindsight, especially, like, that super cool cachet to them. And, uh but yeah, that's one, Mr. Martin. I'll have to, you know, explore the genius of that record. But I don't know it offhand to really, like, speak on. I don't know. Do you own that one or no? No, like I. The only thing I actually, I think I, I own uh, the one on uh, SST, and then I also own a couple of the Sub Pop singles. I guess it's only the one Sub Pop single. And the other one I have is a Glitter House single. I don't know, but I definitely, yeah, I just have a couple of singles. I want to get that first stuff like that. They did a 12-inch themselves on uh, their own label. That Velvetone one you're talking about? Yeah, Clairvoyance is the first one. I've always wanted to hear that record. Oh, no, sorry. I'm looking at... Yeah, wrong thing. Yeah, Clairvoyance, the LP. Same label, though, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like... I don't know what it is. For me, it just... it's. I, I, I'm sure I would like a lot of this now, listening to this stuff, but at the time, nothing really jumped out about this group to me personally. I mean, but again, I wasn't listening to the records in the 80s. He's got a great voice. He's got, like, a ridiculous, like, rock vocal. Yeah. I thought her anecdote about them and, like, meeting them and that idea of them being sort of these, like, just kind of neat individuals that she encounters at a gig. I think that's cool. Like, I think Screaming Tree is the one thing I will say. And again, just looking at how many records they have, like again, I was not even aware. I can't believe they have as many LPs as they do. But uh, yeah, like I think this is a band that's like you know sort of one of these weird forgotten bands. Maybe not in like the Pacific Northwest to people, but 
I don't know. Do you ever beyond this show or this topic right now? I have, I can't think of the last time I ever heard someone talk about this group. I think Mark Lanigan's had like a pretty good run post Screaming Trees, like as far as solo records. Put that one, yeah, but this kind of like this being a classic, and he put out you know, he sings in the Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, but I mean, like this band though, these records, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's I don't like well, I know his name of course, but like I I know his name more than I know these records. Yeah, I don't know that you're right. Like, I don't know if they've um, kind of been brought along with, you know, him in, in the same way. But well, just, I'll we, give you, a, I'll give you a, a comparison, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the opposite of the replacements in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone knows, you know, the members of replacements, but like people freak about those replacements records. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think it's the same. And I mean, again, you know, there are exceptions, of course, but. I don't think it's that same scenario. I think it's inverted for Screaming Trees. Anyway, go on. No, I, I can, and I, I definitely think that they're a band that, like, you're right. Like, no one brings up their records as being classic. You know, like, oh, that they've got that one, like, that's just the killer record. But they put out a lot of stuff. And I think the other thing is they've never come back. You know, they they have that. They they, they apparently don't get along, and so I don't know if they've ever come back. There's some record here from 2011 though. That's what I'm wondering. Is like I think it's it just a like comp though, right? Of recordings. I don't know. It might be. I'm trying to find that out. But anyway, I genuinely think you're probably correct because uh, it just you look at the timelines of everything. It seems to kind of basically be done in '96, and that's that. I don't know if they toured more after, but um, yeah, these are the groups though that I always think are like ripe for these weird like whatever you want to say, if not reunions, these little moments. And I don't know, maybe yeah. it's their pers- personal uh, relationships that get in the way of it or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm kind of shocked. I don't see more screaming trees worship out of nowhere, to be honest. It seems like the right era for it. Well, that's like, this could be your moment, Chris, to start the screaming trees, the great. Screaming <laughs> trees cover yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get into these. I'm going to get into the, a lot of these records, if not all of them myself in 2018. And I'm going to say, everybody join me now. We're bringing it back. You can start it. You can start it. Hey, um, I, I'm not opposed. If they move me, I might do it. Anyway. Um, I guess the other thing we got to dive into because we were talking about this off air is the other side of that screaming trees beat happening split and that is beat happening and i think we're going to do a deep dive on k records all right you want to do one of these like get lost in a k-hole on uh k yeah ironically (laughs) k-hole i got Um, i got weed to burn and uh i got discogs to look at um so i'm down for a deep dive but i think she brings it up too when she talks about the tapes and these great comp tapes and like I kind of wanted to go through them and look at like some of the lineups of these things, and it's like it's pretty cool. Like look at this first one. Uh, You're Danger talking like the '82 or oh, okay '83. Danger is their business. Oh no, that's not the one. Yeah. I'm sorry. This one I didn't recognize too much. Like obviously Calvin Johnson and stuff, but yeah, uh, not in the same way. The next one is one. <laughs> let's get together or let's together. Let's let's together. Various '84. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, Melvin's. What else we got on here? Beat happening. Rejectors, though. Now, this young pioneer that's on here, is this... Different. I always get confused. Are there more than one? Yeah. Yeah, that's a different one. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, but this also has the rejectors on it, uh, you know, from their famous 7-inch on Farts Records, and they're split with the accused. Um, and uh, it also has the wimps on it as well. Yeah, I mean, these, like, I think these tapes... 
weirdly enough, wow, they're worth it. I mean, I, they're definitely worth as much as I expected them to be worth. But yeah. the fact that they've actually been sold on here is wild. I wouldn't have expected that. I think they probably um, were made like in a decent enough quantity. Yeah, I guess. This one had two pressings, one in Switzerland too. Yeah, wild. With a different cover. Um, in the 80s. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, the, K is a label that I, of course, know about, but I've never done the deep, deep dives on. This is the aspect of this label that I find to be most interesting myself. But, uh, again, to get my hands on some of this, I should probably look maybe in, I don't know, in now the, the online world where everything seems accessible, but I don't seemed in your interview that like these are sort of lost to time unless you have them but i don't know i'm hoping some archivist person that's like in in our you know like you and i has put them somewhere where i can eventually at least hear them yeah like i would love to get as i said on the interview like these come out as uh, uh, like vinyl reissues would be cool because the lineups on these are are awesome and there's so much cool you know this is the first one but there's obviously I think they had like maybe like a half a dozen, maybe uh, just these comps that were all really diverse you know, snapshots of the underground scene. And not just from, uh, you know, Olympia and Seattle area, like from all over the place. Well, yeah, and it's, it's I don't know, I, I you know, this, I don't know how to like. Girl Troubles on this one. Yeah, I'm looking at the other lineups too, but it's just. There's so much of the stuff I don't know that I know if I heard, I would probably be really into it. And actually, never mind, I just answered my question. <clears throat> because in the digital world, if you actually look at these links on the resource, at least the one that is uh, Let's Kiss from 84 seems to be the full comps on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. So I can get in on the action now. And it looks like Let's Together is too. Cool. Yeah, so all that stuff is. So for listeners who are not as uh, moronic as me with using the internet, <laughs> it is there. So I will uh, I will get into that. But yeah, like, but I, I don't point, know. I think until, K's cool. Yeah, like I think it needs to get reissued. Like I think that's the thing is like at this point, just because something's on the internet, until it's like brought back to people and been like put in front of them and like been like, look, look, there's all this cool shit. You know, I think people need to see that sometimes. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there is we're now in the era of what I sort of affectionately have dubbed like the coffee table book era, if you will, mm -hmm. which is it needs to become like a coffee table book, which now is the new vinyl reissue, I guess, or for, vice versa is what I should say. So, yeah, in this era where like it's seemingly everything under the sun is getting reissued for whatever reason and most of it is useless and shouldn't bother – it's these things that I wish would that often aren't, but um, yeah, I, I, it's it's too bad too because specifically, you know, and I don't know what you know K is doing as far as releasing if they are doing anything anymore, but it's too bad because they did you know they released records forever, and the fact that this hasn't seemed to come to the light of day since is kind of crazy to me, but mm. who, who knows? Yeah, maybe like someone will get on board. Yeah, it's got like, you know, did you check out this one from 86? Mecha Normal, Half Japanese, Fastback, Screaming Trees, Steve Fisk, Beat Happening. What's the, the Let's See, S-E-A, is yeah. that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. It's crazy. Fastbacks are so sick. By the way, I remember when we did, oh, I can't remember what episode it was. 
a footnote way back where you were talking about the first Fastbacks um, record, first single, and I hadn't heard it. I recently uh, finally heard it, and it is unreal. And yes. uh, such an amazing group, and I, I really want that record actually now. The but, Twelve Inch um, Dude is is killer too. Yeah, I haven't heard that either. But such like that's the stuff about this sort of region in this era that I most like into is like just hearing some of the stuff and being blown away at how good it is. That there's still, I mean, it, it takes. I don't have a lot of minutes and hours in the day to really like sit down and take in music. Sadly, these days, but. Um, this is the kind of stuff I wish I hadn't slept on for you know up until now, or or hadn't had paid more attention to earlier. Yeah, and particularly these K comps, like again, these are a little not a little; these are quite a bit before my time. But I'm sure in the early '90s, I probably could have even tried early to mid '90s. I could have been you know able to somehow get my hands on these maybe when the internet was was just popping off. But um, anyway, yeah. But hopefully, I will now. I'm going to check them out on YouTube, regardless. Dude, do you have? Do you know about this band Snake Pit? I've, I've got, I think I've there's been more single. than one Snake. This one's snake on this comp. Click on it. It's like the last track. Which comp are you referring to? The Let's See from '86 again? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Snake Pit. Where am I going? Okay, yeah. Waiting for you is the track. Yeah. So Look what at you the have lineup? With... Look at who's in the lineup. It's got uh, Joe Preston. Joe Preston. Yeah, one time Melvin's bass player. Uh Billy Karen from uh Bikini Kill. Oh nice, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mike Johnson, the guy that was uh replaced uh Lee in Dino Jr. <laughs> wow, yeah, this and is quite the went on to be Queens of the Stone Age and stuff too. And uh and then uh Robert Christie too. And then who Al Larson. I'm just looking this up too. Telepathic Youth. Evil Tamarines. Yeah, it's it's just like one of those groups that fills in all these gaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. Yeah. This is uh, So what you have the you have the weight seven inch or you have waist? I have a weight seven inch. Um, eighty eight on yeah. Dung Hill. But yeah. Like, what a lineup for this band. That's a neat looking record too. But um anyway, yeah, it's I think to me these labels like K hey, whatever just there's endless things that you could like check out and spend your whole whole existence going through and I know I still probably won't even you know get to them all sadly. Well, I'm glad we did because like that snake pit discovery for me is something that I just <laughs> I guess like maybe this is probably known to so many people they're like you idiot how did you not know about snake pit? Yeah, but uh, yeah. I have that single, and the I never people that do know that lineup. definitely definitely are saying that right now. Yeah, but Dave no Martin. one else knows that. Dave <laughs> also, for the listener, this let's see, and it's S E A once again. K Records Confirm eighty six is also on the YouTube. So I'm going to get to all these when I get time. Yeah, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah, there's, there's thank a, you to whoever put those on. If you're a listener and you put those up, you are the best. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder whether you see those people that, like, spend time putting shit up on YouTube. Like, I've got stuff that I'm like, oh, shit, like, I should probably put this up on YouTube. But then you're like, who has the time? <laughs> well, I'm happy someone does. Yeah, me too. Because this is great. If that someone wants to get in touch about putting this podcast online, hit <laughs> me up. <laughs> Yeah, but very neat stuff. I don't. I'm trying to think of what else is jumping out at me about the K Rex comp. You know, like K also put out like Snuff. They had like yep. uh, f- uh, Shadowy Men. 
they put out like a Courtney, Courtney Love records. Like they put out. It's did like they a, not also put out the earliest Beck stuff? I think. Of course, they did this. They did the split. I think was it a split? Yeah, split with Discord for the Nation of Ulysses seven inch yep. two. Sick. Yeah. Which also is a record that's still not worth anything. I don't understand. There must be a lot of them because I don't get that. Like I don't get how that's not a record that's worth something. That first seven inch. They probably press like fifteen thousand of them. They must, but it's crazy. It's still like a ten dollar record, basically. Like, yeah, they buy that. Pressed, they must have pressed like like so many of them. The head coats yeah. that we were talking about off air. Yeah. Oh yeah, buddy. That's um, the stuff right there. Right there, the Vaseline split. Um, which well, is... once we start to get to like you hit ninety, and then it's weird because I'm sure there's a lot of great eighty stuff too, of course. But for me, this is when like I start like really licking my chops. That ninety stuff, it's like yeah, head coats are on here. Even cool, like you know, Teenage Fan Club. Like they did a Teenage Fan Club record in '92. Dude, Thatcher on Acid. They yeah, put out the pre Hardskin band. <laughs> really that's one of them i didn't ben, know that ben, one. ben from hartskin that's funny yo-yo man seven inch they put out nice. fifth column like man this is a, like a, a yeah a cool label like a really cool kind of fyp there's an fyp record on k really yeah, i had no idea i've never seen like this the record. the fyp the fyp it is too wow How have i never seen Called this my neighbors is stupid wow from 93 genre punk of course and uh everything is spelled really poorly (laughs) (laughs) tracked go figure also go figure median price five dollars nice um yeah there's anyway yeah there's a great great stuff um built to spill yeah k's endless legendary label of which i don't own nearly enough yeah you're right. They did put out the first Beck LP, but he he also was on. Um, God, he was on that split that comp that had uh, Bong Load, and he was on. Wasn't he on that comp that had uh, Jay Church? We saw. Yeah, because you you brought that up. It's like a thousand dollar record. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, we've talked about it on footnotes before. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called either. Well, well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's not lose sleep over that. No. We've got a lot more to get to, Chris. Yeah, man. Uh, let so that's let's leave the K records unless you want to get anything else on K. <laughs> well, the one not on K, I'm good on that, and uh, I'm not deep enough, sadly, on them. But uh, if we want to get to email related things, or do you want to take it from here? Well, I think we're kind of already into the episode, but you had something to get to, right? A well, there's just one little funny like pivot back, and it's literally a one line funny okay. pivot, so it'll work. And it's uh, Dave, David up wanted me to mention. <laughs> so, in the Jim Cuddy episode, you and Jim were pontificating about uh, the New York days, and one of them was uh, talking when A7 got mentioned, uh, there was some talk about it being between fourth and fifth. And Dave just wanted to point out that A7 was not between 4th and 5th. It was at A and 7th. A and 7. As in, as in A7. It, it, uh, <laughs> it, the, the other person in the room at that point is going to be on the show in the future. And that yes, dude was yeah. a member of Even Worse. So, yes, I remember. We've discussed that, but that's the big, uh, yeah, that's coming. That's Can't good. wait. Hopefully that's coming. Um, he hasn't hit me up since I put out that episode. Maybe he didn't like how I plugged the record or something. So. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, hopefully not. Either hopefully way. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. 
Uh, okay, and so uh, back to this episode. Yeah. Um, uh, then there's. I thought Dave had another point. Oh yeah, you men were on Sub Pop 100, which was the the first place I ever heard them. Of course, the new three uh, LP box is on Sub Pop too. But uh, I was kind of thinking, like you know, when I was talking about the you men not being a Sub Pop band, I meant in the sense that they didn't have like that single. Yeah, I I think the way you were framing it in the episode, I I got what you meant. Like yeah. the that's even when she talks about like that. I can't remember which of the bands was I Sybil maybe where mm-hmm. she was like that's what they wanted. That was their ultimate aspiration. Mm-hmm. I think that that's like the weird again. This is I don't know. I don't know if people can even envision that anymore. That idea of like sub pop being a band that you wanted a single on. I remember that to me. I think was the only there was like two or three checklists left that even your group fucked up had to do to make like the ultimate things that I wanted to see bands do. And that a single on sub pop was one. Yeah. Never and, got a sub pop single, which you, yeah, which still has not happened. But, um, and it was, it's not a failure by any means. I just mean that that was no, one at one thing point was, it was going to happen, but then it was blocked by the Queens of the stone age label. What do you mean? How, Matador. why Matador? Oh, 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 gotcha. <laughs> I didn't know what you meant. Gotcha. Okay. I was like, what What do you mean, Queens of the Stone Age? <laughs> um, <laughs> well said, by the way. Um, so, what were we talking about? You men, and yeah, so the single, it, yeah, it is kind of wild that they never, they never had a Sub Pop catalog s- single. Yeah, they only have the, con- wow. Yeah. That is weird. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, Dave, once again, another or- unwarranted shot, Dave. Yeah, but Dave, I don't know. Dave, I think, no, I for don't. me, I would like to hear more of it. Like, it's too bad the Daves aren't here for certain aspects of this talk. But, um, yeah, the the U-Men are an interesting one because, again, I all of these groups I came to late, I'm assuming much like yourself. So the U-Men are one of these groups now that I revere, you know, as far as, like, the legend of U-Men, not so much having known them in, in the years when they really existed, of course. So... You know, it's it's like one of those looking back and like I know their importance now, but I wouldn't have even known then. Mm-hmm. Um, well, certainly not. I mean, really, like what were they done by like before the '90s, seemingly? So, um, anyway, yeah, I can't remember the point that Dave was making, but Dave was trying to say that basically the U Men were still on Sub Pop via the 100. Therefore, it was the same difference. Is that what he's? He was, but then he, he he said he admitted later on in the email thread that comps don't count. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I brought ultimate. up the point. That this way, <laughs> we could consider Spaz a Fat Records band. Oh, nicely done. Yeah. Which would be How weird. do you know we're missing, or not we're even you're in, uh, missing some prime merchandising opportunities here because like a turned out a punk footnote shirt with just comps don't count on it would be great. Now that I think about it. You're right. We should do that. We should set up like a pro wrestling tea type store. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was just a thought. But yeah, comps don't count. Agreed. Um, what was the other stuff he touches on here that you wanted to get to? Um, Wasn't there the C? Did you want to touch on the CZ one, or was there other? No, I think that I think that's it for Dave's. And now we can just just dive into it. Or no, Dave 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 had a Ackerman had a good point too. About to. the which ones were you talking uh, about? He had he had something he had some point that I wanted to get to too. You have his email in front of you because I'm trying to find it right now. I don't know what I did with it. 
I have one, but I'm trying to read. There's a plasmatics mention. There is. Oh, yeah. Plasmatics mention was something that I think I wanted to get to, which is Dave brought up like how, like, can you imagine seeing the plasmatics without context, right? Which yes. Got, which got me thinking, like, once again, SCTV, you know, put the plasmatics <laughs> on TV, put Rough Trade on TV, and, and also had the Young Lions be the backing band for I Hate the Bloody Queen punkish show ever like saturday night live fear which like they were almost fighting against fear the whole time elvis <laughs> costello not nah, not so much you know i'm gonna say sctv is the punkest of the sketch comedy shows <laughs> another interesting category you have yeah. um Until yeah kids in the hall. i mean <laughs> yeah good good double down on that um the uh, I don't know SCTV is great. Like of course all of these these appearances and stuff are great. I don't know. It's classic. You can't. I've never thought to compare SCTV and, and SNL in that way. But um, yeah, I don't know. You're right. Fears is the only one that really sticks out as far as being like the supreme punk moment. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of other rancid, but yeah, rancid one. Yeah, there's a few. Even Nirvana, the first time, I think, where, like, Noah Selleck knocks himself out when he throws his bass in the air and hits him in the head. Mm-hmm. There's, like, these little moments. I'm sure there's people who are, like, screaming right now listening, going, Nirvana's not punk or whatever you want to say. But, you know, for that those years, and compared to, like, something like now, it was definitely very punk. Yeah. Um, Shane um, tearing up a Pope pitcher. True. Actually, yo, that was sick. That yeah, is that like, was that good. Is, I remember watching that live, like, Oh my God! That was that was big. That, that was, was big. Yeah, it was a, a cool moment to watch. Yeah, and, and, and also and had a great on there too. Once again, like some people would argue the punkness, I would say, how could you argue that a member of Inside Out isn't <laughs> a punk? You know. But. I like how quickly you went to that, but yes. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, so uh, yeah, like let's. Uh, uh, where where do you want to go from there? That's kind okay. Of the well, point I want to make there. Let's get let's get the CanCon out of the way. So we'll do the SCTV. Well, even though Second City, of course, is not Canadian, but SCTV was. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, the CanCon, um, though she mentions. Well, one, I liked her. I, I love the Pacific Northwest. I love when people from that region tend to be on the show. Uh, and so she was talking about being like border close with. I'm assuming whatever, British Columbia. Um, and she mentions CBC radio and TV and that's how CTV comes up and all that. Um, but the one mention, which you, you know, she, I was psyched on how up on this she was, but she mentions brave new waves, which we've talked about before. Yeah. And, you know, we could talk about it for a long, long time, but for those who haven't heard and those who aren't aware of how much we revere that or, you know, certainly, well, you and I do. But um, anyway, Brave New Ways is a great, great, great radio show, which I missed even arguably maybe the best years of. But uh, she even knew the host name, Brett Bradbury, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I was super impressed with. Uh, in the later years, it was hosted by Patty Schmidt. Um, it was epic. Like, I can't even... Um, really quantify how much of an impact that show had. It was on like the, me. it was the John Peel of of Canada, kind of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's very apt. Of course, it's you know a bit of a difference, but yeah, yeah. I, I know which I think it's well stated. But yeah, anyway, so her being 
moved by that show to the point where them you know at the, those years hearing you know cutting edge stuff later the show i think pivoted quite a bit in terms of like you didn't really hear punk on brave new waves in the later years like in the late 90s but uh, well you heard it like you much know, like john it was certainly exactly it was more like art, artistically bent it wasn't yeah. you know you, you didn't hear ragers really um but anyway fantastic show and i was psyched to hear that she was into it and I feel like, you know, for the people generationally who were, you know, somehow able to get CBC radio, you know, those are the people like that, that caught it. Those people all, you know, that planted a real seed. And uh, it's a privilege of age issue, I guess, now to be, you know, gushing about it. But it was, I mean, even me catching the late ones, like I said, it was like hugely transformative. So I can't imagine hearing this stuff in like whatever the late '80s or early '90s, wherever she was mentioning it. But uh, yeah, that was my. I, I wanted to shout it out because it was the best, 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 best. Still my favorite. I can't think of a show. Even I mean, for me, obviously, I didn't, we're not all. You're British in a, in an essence, but um, like you know, yeah, John Peel probably be the closest outside of that that I yeah. can think of that would be that big. And also CFNY too. Like we were, we yeah, were lucky early, enough to catch sure. the tail end of. That yep. being the greatest Canadian radio station. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, well said. Yeah, even in the early '90s, it was bearable. They still played. I'm sure. Again, people older than us, they would be like, "Well, it was even garbage then, maybe." But I don't know. Like I, I was still. They still had things that existed on it that were decent, even you know, up till like '93, '94. I thought they interviewed Pansy but, uh, Division. I met Pansy Division because they had them in there for an interview. <laughs> Neat. I met Jim Carroll because he came in for an interview. I met nice. Sonic Youth. Like, I, there's just like amazing the people that would come in, and it was like, it was like a radio show, like a drive time radio show. Kim Hughes was the host at that point, yeah. and live in Toronto. Yeah, and, and it was, was that when um, was that like where you whatever were meeting these people? Was that when they were still on more? Um, Okay, so that was a different because I remember one time they were like this is later this is like more later mid later nineties, mm-hmm. and they were doing it at I think it's no longer there but it's where Dundas Square is now. It was that like the Hard Rock or something they would it host was, things and yep. go, and so that block is now demoed for people. No, no, that's still there. The, the Hard Rock is right on the other side of where they <clears throat> demoed to. Okay, either way, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that. Okay, so that didn't get demoed. The Licks got demoed. That's why yep. I always think of that. Yeah, but um. Uh, shout out to Licks for Canadian. And I totally but, forgot uh, about that Licks. <laughs> it was the best. Well, it wasn't the best, the but it was the only cool. downtown one. It was like the worst Licks, to be honest. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but I remember uh, when they were doing like whatever hosting whatever show to there for a minute. So I wasn't sure if that's where you're meeting the people because oh. I remember there's an anecdote I have relating to something that she mentions later in the show, which I'll bring up relating to this. But well, anyway, I also on. went to that place to see a couple interviews when they were there. And that's where I met Iggy fucking Pop. Nice. As a kid. Wow. We waited outside for like three hours in the freezing cold. Was that like American Caesar or whatever that record era? Yeah, like yeah. Wild, Wild America? That record's yeah. actually great. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not bad. Like he, he, you know, even his, even his quote unquote bad records aren't terrible at all. Yeah. That one to me isn't that bad. That's like it. It should have been like really bad based on the year and and everything, but it's I like it. I like Wild America. That's the song quite a bit actually. Yeah, yeah. it's a cool um, video too. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know why you're talking. Oh yeah, CFNY and Brave CFNY. New Ways. Yeah, yeah. so CFNY like at that point, you know they were playing 
like you know, and, and and this is no disrespect to people that work there now, and we know we've got friends that work there that of course that fight yeah. the good fight, and you know, and try and make yeah. sure they get cool stuff on there. But at that point, it was almost like the station's mandate was more getting cool stuff on there. Yeah, I think like the difference I would say for people perhaps that aren't Canadian, um, specifically speaking on this topic of, of the two, especially these two places. Um, I don't know if we certainly had, of course, college, university, radio, and, and what have you. Like we've discussed that in the past too, and mm-hmm. there's been there's like, hugely transformative shows for both of us on there too. But um, for me, I guess I don't know of an American equivalent like that would have been on like NPR, that would have been Brave New Waves stateside. I don't know if that existed. That wasn't like college radio. What's the so, one? She brings it up. KXW, the uh, the Seattle station. That oh, maybe I guess yeah. But that's like. But even then, it wasn't like they were playing like. F- like she brings up some like crazy out there Canadian bands that like are, you know, not necessarily, you know, like, you know, ever going to you know break the pop charts that were being played on Brave New Waves. Yeah, yeah. So it's and also I think the where the difference is and why I think it's important and specifically in the Brave New Waves context is because Brave New Waves, so far as I know, was like cross Canada. It wasn't just a regional thing. So you were getting it, you know, coast to coast, which I don't know if there was any other, um, you know, whatever you want to say, like the independent music at that time being done on that scale. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that that's what was so to me big about it. And again, I only really came to it much later. But even in those years, it was you know like it's, like there are people I know that are old, much older than me from this area that you know would talk the same way she did in the interview here about you know the stuff they would hear on that show in in those years, and it was the same kind of impact. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever. It's just kind of maybe obvious to people now of, of our age, perhaps, but. I don't know. I just I loved it. I miss it. I miss kind of that late night radio, that crucial aspect of it. I think it's when we're when you're discussing the idea of like it being different now, and you know people are still being involved, and in it you know they're still trying. And I agree, they are. I think the difference is just the whole media landscape, as you know and we know, it's just changed so drastically. It's just not the same beast at all. It's weird though because like you know we live in an era where like you can read about like legitimately the most minutia bullshit ever you know like and maybe it's just the feeds i subscribe to but these are major media outlets that are putting out these stories of just like you know obscure bands and like you know but it's it's never been harder to hear this stuff unless you're like listening online you know like it's never been harder to actually like find somewhere that's going to play all this obscure stuff that's now being talked about yeah, I think the I think what's most impressive for me in hindsight in those years is that it was also like contemporary. So you had to have people that were hearing it and not only were they just excited because it was new, but also perhaps were ahead of the curve on it. Mm-hmm. Now you can go back and research anything you want. Like there's probably like thousands of really great online um you know, whatever, like like radio, whatever you want to call it, radio or playlist related things. Oh, absolutely. Because it's because yeah. it's easy to mine all that now because all the data is there, all of the you know the taste has been made. But in those years to be doing that on, on some of these stations, like it was for me, that's the big deal, and that's the things I miss slightly. Uh, being like you know, if I'm being precious about it, if you will. 
Anyway, like this, uh, this is once again going to go back to CFMY. Um, yeah, Alan Cross, the ongoing yep. history of new music. Yeah, that's great. That's my favorite format for a radio show. Yeah, uh, I don't think he always got his facts hundred percent right, especially when he's talking about <laughs> punk. Uh, I know, as a, I remember screaming at my radio as a young person about it. In fact, um, but that being said, like he he made you want to hear that fucking song, and then when that song True. dropped. You were like, yes, this is amazing because he contextualized it so perfectly. And, like, yep. you know, I can go on my Spotify right now and I could listen to like hours of just bands that sound like the bands that I like because it's just, it's just how it does it. Um, you know, like, but you don't really get the same relationship to the songs as you do as if someone's like being like, okay, here's why this relates to what you just heard. You know, I I love that shit. Maybe I'm alone in that, but I I love when someone like contextualizes something and puts a place and time on things. And you know, I, I love hearing music that way. Yeah, I don't I don't think you're alone. I think I do think it's more uncommon to for people to experience it in that way now. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what I miss a little bit. I worry that. And again, this could just be me being, you know, whatever, like, you know, being a whatever, looking at, you know, with rose colored glasses of the past or whatever. But I, you know, like when I think about things that like moved me or things I heard and being like, you know, romantic about them in in hindsight, it was always stuff that I experienced a lot of it in that in those ways. If it wasn't from, you know, some radio show or someone, you know, with certain taste making qualities that like hit me to it or whatever, be it in a record store or radio, whatever. And it does still happen, but it's just not as I don't know if it's because I'm just boring and older now, but it I don't feel there's as much it, there's not as much of a premium or whatever, not as much of an emphasis on on the delivery of it like you're saying. and that, I think that's the the I don't know, that's what I think's missing. I don't know how to quantify that and and not just be like, you know, talking up my ass. but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I those years I miss anyway. I miss these shows for that reason. But yeah, you're right. Like, um, I don't know. There's no. I we we we've uh, we've talked in agreement on this. I yes. think we're good. Yeah, we're both <laughs> we're both in agreement that uh, radio was better in the old days. Now we oh, sound well, like one we're thing a was, thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As we're as we're discussing it on a podcast. Um, but uh, I was going to say one thing about the Alan Cross thing that still makes me laugh. There's still things I remember that he said about songs yeah. that I cannot forget. Like, I still remember specifically, and although it's not entirely punk, it is contextually, I guess, punk. But um, him talking about New Order and talking about Blue Monday. And I remember always thinking the song Blue Monday was decent, but I'm not a huge New Order fan. Yeah, And so I was always, like, kind of apprehensive about New Order. And then he was talking about how basically they made the song because they hated doing encores and that was how the song became the song <laughs> because they wanted the song they could just put a program and put on because they were sick of doing encores or whatever <laughs> I thought that was so great and I've never forgotten it so these like yeah like, these things are burned in my memory yeah. like those kind of you know when I think of whatever that kind of stuff Sunday anyway. night was the best night for Southern Ontario radio because you had that and then you had sex with Sue uh, <laughs> like you got you get like a lot of education that night. Yeah. A lot a variety of sis- Did you listen to Sex with Sue? I remember I never really listened to it, but I know what you're talking about. There was a lot of like funny just programs. 
programming in general. I mean, we could talk about much music stuff of that era. It was great, too. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's. I miss a little bit of that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely miss old media. Oh, well. <laughs> there you go. You just got another shirt right there. Yeah, I miss old media. I miss old media. Turn it on footnotes or whatever. Turn it on. I we should do that. We just get like a merch store where they do digital printing and just come up with like a million shirts mm-hmm. based on this. Rev versus victory. Oh, with yeah, that should just be like like a huge back print and where we solve it. It sounds like <laughs> Revelation. You had a shirt though that you're walking around with a shirt that says Revelation versus Victory. And and you, people would think you were in like a Christian rock band or going to a Christian music festival. <laughs> Maybe, but if you actually spell out like the releases on the back, that's true. I think it'd be really funny for people like involved in the groups to see it and like be amused. That's <laughs> that would my. Hopefully, these will all come to one one day when the empire really builds. The, yes. every single one of these ideas will be hatched out. It starts with this punk wrestling connection shirt. <laughs> of course, that that we all know that that's where your emphasis is, emphasis is at the moment. Pardon me. No, no, there's, uh, well, believe me, it's, it's, I don't know, I think the run of guests that are coming up uh, is fucking ridiculous. Nice. On this show. Like, there's, there are some in, re- incredible names. Like, people that, I don't know, maybe other people knew they were into punk, but I had no idea. And, like, other people that just have cool stories and stuff like that. Yeah, like, it's, um, and they're not, <laughs> excuse me. No wrestlers right now, so don't worry. If you're like one of those people that are like, oh, Damien, so much fucking wrestling on this podcast. Don't worry. No wrestlers are coming up except when... Note when Damien says one of those people, he's referring to me and his brother Tristan. But go on. Yeah, actually very true. Yeah. There's no accounting for taste. No deaths, though. There's no accounting for taste. (laughs) Well done. Yeah, touche. A guy who loves soccer and a guy who loved emo. <laughs> it would be like that and there's the uh I don't remember what the Down by Law song is, but there's a Down by Law song on it's either Punk Rock Academy Fight Song or one of those records where it's like this like kind of dissing on bands that like do the sellout move. Yeah. And I think at the last like the song ends and there's like this trail off vocal that's like except Nirvana, I believe, is stated. As if it's like this point of like they're the only ones that escape the criticism. Dude, Again, as soon as you brought up Down by Law, it brought up, like yeah. you said, like a thing you can't forget that you <laughs> read. And I read yeah. an interview with Dave Smalley around that time that – like what's the super modded out record they did on Epitaph? It's called La- Last of the Sharpshooters, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. And How that, do I know this, by the way? But go on. <laughs> yeah. um, that, that – it was around that record. And there was this interview where he's like – just ripping into Weezer. Like, Weezer wow. are the fakest fucking band. Like, that shit sucks. He's like, Nirvana. And like, it's all just like Nirvana. Nirvana was better. And it's like, it's just, I that's burned into my memory. I'm wrong. The record I believe you're referring to? Yeah. Oh, well, it could be either. But the one, uh, I thought it was Last of the Sharpshooters from 97 on Epitaph, but it actually could be. Fly the flag from '99. No. Yeah, no, no, it was it was definitely before that. Let me now. I gotta go. Okay, I'm gonna it's sharpshooters because the earlier ones are not that. It's definitely last of the sharpshooters. Yeah, it must be last of the sharpshooters. That makes sense because it's even got like the like a target like motif with yeah. the down by law. Yeah, thing that was the, that was the one. Yeah, no, no, punk it's rock. A, it was punk rock. Uh, no, all scratched up. Out at all. all scratched up. That one's not modded out. That does have a jam cover on the vinyl only exclusive. Dude, it I is definitely modded out. Like that, that like 
checker print kind of set up. Oh, I sky. guess. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. I'm seeing it now. I never viewed it that way. I still own this. I believe that's on a du- you do. Yeah, it's a double LP. Yeah. Yes, it's a lot of down by law. Correct. I bet you that's a valuable record. What does it go for? Oh, well, it wasn't released on. Uh, it was it. Oh, it's on vinyl for sure. I definitely have it. Um, oh, there it is. Yeah, 20, 20 some odd bucks, something like that. Either way, whatever. It's about what it's worth, I guess. But uh, there's, yeah, I don't know if a double LP is needed. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, I think I can be fair in saying I, I, I think it's a fair statement. But um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I was going to say something related to that my law thing, or did I already say that? What was I going to bring up? I totally lost. I, my know, I know what I'm now. No, I'm fucked up. It was a punk rock uh, academy fight song. I think it was yeah, between that's what the proclaimers people. cover on it. Yeah, that, I think it was around that record where they were, uh, yeah. where they were doing this interview, and he was like going in super hard. <laughs> yeah, because this is the one that has the song on it. It is punk as fuck. Might be that, but I think it's another song. But it's one of these songs on this record. Um. Yeah, might be punk as fuck. But the like the one like the line something about you know gra- going for the brass ring or so I can't remember the. Yeah. There's like references to it, but I can't remember. What I was going to mention that. What was going to say? I was going to make an anecdote about how the equivalent to him saying "except Nirvana" is "except something" what we were talking about earlier, and I can't remember. But anyway, go on. It's pointless now. Either way, we just went in a down-by-law K-hole. That's okay. (laughs) Everyone got their down-by-law knowledge in for the week. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. I think I told the story before, like the time that he and I were on MTV Canada together. You've probably told me. I don't know if it's come up on the show. It was a very interesting experience. We were on a straight-edge panel. Oh, yes, yes. I recall this now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what um, I'm, I am surprised that you have not interviewed him on the show yet. Uh, yeah, maybe one day. Who knows? Like, I, I, it's weird. Like, I kind of, you know, I know I could probably just like, you know, just go after a bunch of people, like make a list and just scratch people off the list. But there's literally so many people I want to talk to. Yeah, I kind of like just like letting it. You know, the little bit of curation, but, like, letting it kind of just unfold naturally. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. What, what I'm trying to get at there is I think that you would do a good interview with him is what I'm trying to say. Definitely someone that, you know, my favorite thing, as you know, Chris, is people that exist in multiple scenes. <laughs> True, yes. And very few people. that down. Yeah. Very few people can, like, tie together uh, Boston, D.C. kind of Revolution Summer era. And yep. then uh, Southern California epifat. Exactly. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Agreed. A, and also Brian covered Baker the proclaimers. Could be pretty close to doing that. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, is the prerequisite that you have to be blonde? Is the question? I guess. I don't know. Question. Maybe that's maybe that's like a genetic trait that allows them to exist in so many <laughs> scenes throughout time. There we go. <laughs> They don't age properly. Well done. The children of the corn. <laughs> nice. Uh, where should we go? Uh, I don't know. Next? I, we flogged Brave New Waves, then we went on down by law. I don't know. What, what do you want to go do next? doesn't matter to me. Yo, 5440 are fucking amazing. <laughs> I was just looking at that point. I'm like, I bet he's going to bring this up. Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't know if I'd say the word amazing, but I definitely like them. Um, 
I don't have any any qualm. I think they're a group that again is one of those things that you know some of the later songs definitely I'm not psyched on, but yeah, they've always had songs. Would you say and... after Sloan the best mainstream Canadian rock band ever? <sighs> Oi, they throwing that one out. Um, I have to think hard on this. My immediate thought is no. But I'm just trying to think of the answer as to why that is no. Because like it's difficult. Let's go like the ones you'd put up against it would be like you're not gonna go like, oh, uh like uh Our Lady Peace, you know, like you're no, not gonna put no, that against no. it. You're gonna put no. like you I guess you'd have to say tragically hip. I'm still like I, I love people in that band forever. But if I'm being real about what bands that I wanna listen to more record the whole way through no no i see what you're saying like yeah i i think i'd give you i would give it to 50 or 40 on that basis of what you're saying um i would say tragedy would be be right after that for me then too i'm trying to think of who would be a good example like sloan is such a good example yeah i'm trying to think of another sloan like group that isn't isn't too small that that couldn't be considered, but at the same time is yeah, it's a difficult you thing. Could, you could now probably say like you uh, what like new pornographers would be the band that like you could be like yeah, but I feel like those examples aren't fair. Like yeah, it, it's I yeah, I still don't like that. There for me, there's no question. Like I I like the new pornographers. It's almost like a, a super group. Yeah, yeah, and it, I, I like them a lot more than fifty four forty. Yeah, I, I like them a lot more than a lot of like these kind of groups. So, you know, they're not my favorite group by any means, but I definitely really, really dig their stuff. Um, that's a good question. I got to think on that. I don't know. I feel like there's one I'm missing here. I don't know why rush, but, um, yeah, but no, I don't, I, I don't like rush. Like, and also they're fine, we but... could also, we could also, uh, make this a little easier in the can rock Renaissance period, which for any of our wrestler, any of our wrestlers, <laughs> any of the <laughs> listeners, that are from outside of Canada, that Can Rock Renaissance period is this period in the '90s where Canadian rock music became popular again on the charts. Yes, I th- see. I think like an example I would say here, and I think this does count. The more I think about this, but when I think of like the greatest groups of that era, for me, especially in like in hindsight of what actually stacks up, yeah. Uh, although this group certainly was not radio, I don't even know if they ever really had any on the radio. I know that I believe they had a video or two. I don't think they had any radio play that I was aware of. Um, but see, for me, it's like Sloan's a great example, and then I would I really I think like I know where you're yeah, like, Eric's trip elevator or whatever that whole yeah. world. Yeah, uh, but they haven't. They never had that. You know whatever that other level i don't think but i think those records like that whole catalog of those related groups is all really strong like kind of painfully strong yeah um, but they i don't think they ever broke through in the same no, agreed. Sort of way yeah. like i would yeah, even, agree i could say that like you could even say the doughboys uh yes good example that's a good example yep um not but, not, not enough records but yeah great example yeah doughboys i would say is out there but for yep, me, 5440 is like right up there. Like one of those bands where you're like, oh shit, they wrote this song. This song's killer. Like, you know, you're like listening to one of their records. You're like, oh, they've got this deep cut track that's actually really good. Um, yes. And then they put up the those problem, really arty records in the beginning. Yeah. The problem with that group becomes like for the 
<laughs> the Canadian people that are familiar or the border related American people that are familiar is the, you know, the later like ocean pearl, like that stuff where you're just like, Oh boy, yeah. like yeah. what's happening here. But, um, but yeah, for sure. I'm sure like those early records, which I don't know, like front to back, but, um, I would probably give the time of day for at least those, you know, everything up to probably the nine, like everything for 89 back. I would probably like a lot of, if I heard it would be my guess. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard a lot of these LPs front to back, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just cause they're Canadian. Maybe that's why it never, I don't know, isn't getting any kind of, uh, it's sort of lost to time, as we've discussed well, frequently like one on the show. Bands, like, I think they could probably like play. You know, they'll probably do a tour tomorrow and be able to sell out, <laughs> yeah. like like you know Massey Hall or like you know just because people would be like, oh fuck yeah, fifty four forty. But like yeah, they've never really been like people going back and looking at these like early records and being like, oh shit, they kind of form, you know, this almost the same. Like they they're they're a band before Blue Rodeo. Yeah, I mean, well, the oh, first Blue Rodeo, thing, that's that's the obvious one that I was kind of forgetting. Yeah, there's another one. I mean, that. yeah, like those are all good examples. I don't know. Good question. I don't know where how to better answer that. But yeah, 5440 is an interesting group. To me, they're not entirely like this group, but from and uh, in my brain, they're like the, the Canadian REM. That's the way I mm-hmm. view them. Mm-hmm. I can get that. Like, you know, like it definitely, you know, like. I don't know if they were as like political or yeah, you know, as REM was, but certainly, yeah, I can get, I can hear that. They uh, occupy that sonic territory of yeah. whatever that is. Well, somehow like still maintaining like a cool, but also being like a pop group, if you will, or whatever, mm-hmm. a radio group, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my, that. that's my equivalent in my brain. That's what I always think of. Um, so also the label that, uh, has come up on here. Is the uh, Mo Da Mo Records, which is a Vancouver-based label that put out some really killer stuff, um, including a comp in 1981, which features the bands Animal Slaves, uh, Junko Run, and 5440. <laughs> do you have this, by the way? I think I do, actually. Now that I'm looking at it, and I totally forgot that 5440 was on it because they they wrote their name differently on that record. That's right. It's written. It's all written yeah. instead of the numerals. Yeah. Um, but what? yeah, the things are still coming ashore is the comp from 81. It's the funniest genre wise is saying electronic and rock and dark, dark wave. new wave and dark wave. Yeah. It's, de- it's definitely super dark. And like, it was a really cool kind of arty label, this label. Um, they put out, I think I've got, I think I've got most of the records, uh, at least most of the early records they put out. Um, cause it was, they're, they're cheap and they're easy to find in Canada <laughs> and people haven't really kind of looked at this in sort of like a rediscovery kind of mode as you were talking about, Chris. So you can kind of find all this stuff pretty cheap still. And it's, it's all in my experience worth picking up. There's 19, well, <clears throat> listed, excuse me, like 18, 19 catalog numbers. Are they all up here, or did just people not put them I all up? I think they're all up here. This like, but the Tin Twist, which is the first record on this label, like that's got a silk screen cover. Um, like the aesthetics of their stuff looks super awesome. You know, like they did like the popular front record too. It's like a silk screen cover as well, and it looks it like it folds out if I remember correctly. 
not having it in front of me and stuff like that. But it's like, this must have been like kind of the parallel scene that was happening in Vancouver at the same time as like, you know, the DOA stuff and all that stuff's going on. Yeah, it's neat. It's this, that tin twist is like new wave post-punk, it says here. Yeah. It's like a $30 record. Wow. I don't know. It does look cool. It's all like, all this but, stuff's like pretty cheap. Like even look at those 5440 records. Like it, it, they're not that expensive for, you know, a band that, you know, like we're looking at that clairvoyance record by Screaming Trees, which is now like a hundred dollar record. I would say 5440, at least the Screaming Trees in Canada. And this is still like a $25 record. Yeah, that's true. I I don't know if that's because though their career spans so long that then, you know, whatever the the fan base kind of changed. Therefore, the people who want this selection record are like maybe you and I. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, that's yeah, what I mean. Don't know about it. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff got reissued in like Set of Fire, which is their like twelve inch on Moma D Records, which has like. It's got like some big songs on that one, actually. That's like one of their first ones. Uh, and also, Chris, I came up with another Canadian band we blanked on just while I was Ooh. looking at this. Uh, Northern the... Pikes. Yeah, but I'd still think catalog's not long enough. They have two. They have three LPs. Yeah, but it's still like fifty four forty. Have like what, like a lot. Yeah. Do you remember where we're at? <laughs> Do you remember when we were recording the Bergenfield Four second session at Dan? the aforementioned Dan Romano's house. Yes. Yep. And he was, and he showed us that his dad had actually that 5440 first record. Well, I don't, I don't remember that because I may have not been there for that moment. I remember having to work as usual and I came late to one of the sessions. Okay. Late yeah. From work. So yeah, but uh, the, that yeah, does the, not surprise me in the least though. Yeah. The, the, their family is, uh, yeah, the musical family that of course that makes total sense. Well, actually God, they actually have way more than the Northern Pikes have way more than four records. Uh, Do they really? Yeah, they've got. I always thought they only had two or three. So did I, but no, they've got like uh, I don't know, like until '92, they're kind of consistently putting out records. Ninety till '93, wow. they're putting out records. Okay, never mind. I still think though the only ones that I just look at it, like the consideration. Well, I guess they have four or five. Yeah, I guess they're in contention too. It would be kind of cool to sit down and do like, like, cause you know, this shit comes out. And, and once again, this is now when all, it's amazing. We get to talk about this stuff on an American person interview, but this is when all the international listeners are just like, uh, tuning out. But at the same time, like <laughs> we get so much of this Canadian nostalgic stuff come out and it's always the same records and the same bands, you know, like, you know, I would love to do like a top 10, or top 50 Canadian records of all time. You should, we should, if we had time or you more specifically have time, I think that's a great idea because you have a lot of this stuff. I don't have it, but, um, yeah, no, I agree. It's funny that we have another mutual friend that we would talk about this stuff all the time, but it was a lot more related to like the radio stuff specifically. And a lot of like, kind of like the, you know, dare I say, like one hit wondery, you know, '90s can rock stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think it'd be like to do the deep dives on like the idea of like you know just fifty four forty of or whatever. And it's just wild. Like I don't, you know, I, I'm too ignorant to most of their catalog, sadly, because I only remember like the radio era stuff <clears throat> being my age. But yeah, 
But it's 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 you know I'm glad we got to talk about all this stuff. Um, yeah, for sure. Also, uh, we could throw the asexuals in there and talk about the asexuals a little bit. Um, also, platinum blonde. Have we talked about the the platinum blonde for single before? You and I have. I like that you brought it up in the interview. Um, I don't even have that reissue. I remember when that came out. Hits and um, misses. Yeah, they had them there. I remember, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, I never got it. But to the uh, I know the original is like a crazy money record, mm-hmm. and I, I don't even know if I've still heard that first one. To be honest, I, I know what it looks like. It's got like a picture of a baby or something, or a woman on it. It's got Marilyn Monroe on the cover of the book. Oh, it's Marilyn Monroe. I know it's like yeah, it looks like a stock photo thing. But yeah, it's a uh, interesting group. I, I thought it was neat that she, like, kind of the those kind of things that she was like um, noted. I thought was really interesting. The fact that she brought up not only the asexuals, but then you know brought him up. Didn't mention the Doughboys though, which I thought was super interesting too. Mm-hmm. At least that I remember. Well, she brings <laughs> up Kastner. No, she brings up the Doughboys. No, she brings up him, but I don't know if she says the Doughboys by name or you do. Oh, maybe but, I don't know because I think she she definitely brings up the asexuals Asexual first, sexuals, yeah, and then and then brings up that he might have started pop punk, yeah, which is a which is a great. That's there's another great like, and also I can't wait and hopefully one day you will interview him and it will be great. I would love to um, interview Kastner. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just any of that sort of stuff. She brings out the point sticks, like a lot of CanCon, weirdly enough. And I think mm-hmm. it's that border thing, right? Like, like what was on the radio there for her must have been insane. Like that she was hip to all that stuff. It was kind of. I guess it's the same with Nico Case when Nico was on. Yeah, totally. You know, she was going through the list of bands that she was like super inspired by, and it was like, uh, oh yeah, a lot of Canadian stuff. Um, but once again, it's being from that same area. Agreed. And maybe that's why I like it so much because I feel like there's a weird kinship. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like similarity of people like our age that I think we experience a lot of similar media or similar groups that like if you're interested in like whatever mm-hmm. alternative music, however you want to say it. Anyway. Um, I think uh, – do you want to go to the next point or should I go to the next point? Um, I'm just looking over here. What to mention? Um if you have something going, I'm just reading through. I'm just looking at your points here. I think, you know, like, and there's a lot of ridiculous lineups that get posted now on the internet and flyers and stuff like that. But Soundgarden, <laughs> Melvin's, and Husker Du is, <laughs> is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm not as, an, I'm not as uh, weirded out about, about the idea of, of that lineup, though. I, I think that makes sense. It makes sense. But it's just kind of crazy to think that, that oh, yeah, that would have happened. And would have been fine and normal. I think it would be more normal to see that. Well, of course, now given recent events, not the case. But let's just say if if you know Soundgarden, Melvin's Husker do in 2018 makes perfect sense. Actually, weirdly enough, and I'm surprised that that never happened in 16 or 17 or whatever. But um, yeah, like I don't know. I, I just think Soundgarden of that era makes sense. That they're playing at the Melvins and. Husker do, Husker do, however you want to pronounce that in this conversation. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. To me, it makes sense. I, I like. I know what you mean. There's a diversity to the lineup, but it doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't weird me out. I think that one. Does, it's not too weird. I it's think Fastback's DOA is a little. Fastback's DOA is my favorite lineup. I think ever. <laughs> that story's super funny too. Yeah. About her getting arrested and missing it. <laughs> and what about Violent Femmes and Guns and Roses playing? Uh, beside each other at the same time. 
Yeah, there's a lot that she talks about like that. Um, yeah, that was wild. The fact that they you they got to see early Guns N' Roses because of largely I would I would assume the Duff connection mm-hmm. to like the early whatever Seattle or all, well, I think first tour, yeah. Yeah, well, and like, because Farts were what, a Seattle band, I believe, right? Yep. And so, and of course, he's on the Fastbacks, that that record. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just funny. Uh, even just like that, the whole, like, yeah, first Nirvana show was pretty terrible and like all that stuff. I think you got most psyched about the Accused, like, reference, which I thought was neat, too. Yeah. Well, because just like your band didn't seem like a band that would be playing with the Accused. Yeah. You know, and it's it's also it's just funny because like talking to her, I realized how much stuff came out of that scene, like how much stuff that impacted, you know, rock music was just from that world at that time. Yeah, agreed. I I was kind of uh, the only part of this interview, and I was I was hoping you were gonna at least mention or bring it up. Just to, I wanted to see because this would have tipped it over for me. It was like a poison idea didn't even get a mention. Yeah, I was. I was I was like ah I want to know if she saw like I just wanted to know her thought or whatever like or to her to contextualize like what she would have thought that band was like I'm assuming she's bringing up the accused and bands like that I I had to think that they were on her radar for sure yeah definitely they would have been yeah I should have you're right there's always well uh, this is not like you didn't do you didn't do a bad job I was just like the whole time like ah I wonder if they're gonna talk about Poison Idea I want to see I feel like that's my new thing with like the the footnotes angle of like the turn out a punk show is like for people like me, it's always, I want to know what the people from that geographical region, I want to like piece together the whole poison idea picture in my brain <laughs> of they, that era. They were definitely aligned with Seattle stuff. Cause like they had a sub pop record. Yeah. <coughs> yep. And like, I imagine they would have been playing up there quite a bit. Yeah. But I heard like mentioning like these shows and like the idea of like the scenes, like her talking about Olympia in relation to the Sybil record, you know, and, and like differentiating the scenes, like the idea of her like speaking on Portland or talking about Poison Idea, I think would have been really interesting. That's what I mean. Like I wanted to get that picture and that's the only thing that pretty much, that's the only itch I didn't get scratched in this interview personally, but that could be my little hang up. Yeah, like there's, there, like obviously I'd love to talk to her about Hole. I'd love to talk to her about Nirvana and stuff like that a lot more. So maybe in the future. Yeah. <laughs> and then Poison Idea for yeah. sure, because I think Poison Idea is one of those bands that, you know, like I would imagine they would have loomed large in that world, but you don't really hear about them. Well, I think that's that it. Is that, yeah, like I think the idea is wanting to hear it from someone from her perspective and the bands that she was in to then go, oh, yeah, yeah, like the, because, you know, obviously, of course, now, people know that group of course they do but you know i've never heard i don't know i then again i've never read or really listened to any like uh you know interviews with a lot of like the people related to the the bands that she's been in but like hearing them talk on that group or something i was just curious about that like because i i feel that that's a group that you know as we we talk about them a lot on the show of course in the punk world they're a big deal of course but um I don't know. I'm just interested to hear that because I also think like that early '90s to mid '90s Poison Idea is a really interesting era as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would, and I'm also like, you know, I would say this Poison Idea, 
That that is my that is my misfits. That is my replacements. That's my <laughs> yep. That's the one well that said. I'm like. That's the that's the best punk band of all time. For me, uh, it's you always go to like the absolutes. <laughs> yeah, it's very you, difficult you for me to, to be with you. You got to be extreme. <laughs> you got to be extreme in 2018. This is all. This is very much always been your manner. Yes, uh, to do that, but um. I don't know if I can say that, but what I will say is, yeah, for me, like especially you mentioning those two aforementioned bands, I definitely have Poison Idea way more than both. Like you could combine them both easily, and I, yeah, I'm a way bigger Poison Idea guy personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I just think that there's not a lot of uh, documentation on that kind of stuff that's easily accessible. Yeah. And so to hear people from that era of that age group speak on it that's what i kind of want to hear about and, and like more specifically how like they interacted with the world that they're from that's what i'm most like for my nerdy intrigue that's what i'm curious about one of the coolest things ever is i got hit up by a band you know like one of the one of the kind of older seattle bands or like seattle area bands to do a poison idea cover one time and it was like super nice. cool to know that that band was on their radar Nice. Well, I mean, they have that like whatever that uh, was that that Pantera thing where they cover the badge, the badge right? Yeah. And, and so it's and like Pantera, though. Like, yeah, not as not as like chill. No, no. But what I mean and, is, it it got to that yeah, world, yeah. right? Like, you know, what I mean, you always expect. You know the metal bands like like that or whatever. To, like you know, of course they've heard you know the Meyer Threat, the whatever, the whatever. You know, like the, the Bad Brains. Everyone knows those groups, of course. Yeah. And it's not that for me, Poison Idea is on that tier, of course. But to a lot of those kind of like the T-shirt wearing bands of that feature, you know, I that's not the first ones you tended to see. That's like a bit of a deeper cut. Yes. So to see that get put on, like, uh, you know, because they covered it for, I feel like it was a soundtrack or something. There we go, yeah. So it's just such a strange... Yeah, the Spawn. No, it's Spawn, I believe, yeah, which is late 90s. So it's it's kind of bizarre, too, because it's like years and years, not, I guess, well, whatever, Field of Darkness came out, 89 or 90? 89. I can't remember. 89. So basically, uh, you know came out about a decade later let's yeah. say the cover thereabouts and so it's just you know and for that time that them to be covering that band for that co- like that purpose just seems strange so it, that's what i mean is like i'm just curious to see like or hear rather you know people's recollections of them in that era in that region like that part of the world what their impact was or you know what it wasn't or any of that stuff mm-hmm. anyway whatever mm-hmm. we i just like poison idea what can i say you're the same. 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 I just said they're the best punk band of all time, Chris. I was willing to go there. <laughs> you, you, you backed did, up. You You're did. like, whoa, slow down, dude. Slow down. Slow down. <laughs> I like, backed up on the basis the of like, <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> you, your, your Misfits opinion is also great, though. I, I can't remember that one. It's it's their Misfits are simultaneously the greatest punk band of all time and not at all a punk band. <laughs> there you go. I like that you can recite these because I always forget the the specifics. But yes, that's right. Well, someone's <laughs> got to be paying attention to the shit I say. <laughs> well, I'm paying attention. No, I don't I mean you. I don't mean. It. I'm not just saying you. I'm saying in the whole world. I mean, someone's got to pay attention to the stuff I say. Might as well be me. <laughs> yeah, um, but Chris, this has been uh, a real fun one. 
Yeah. Uh, I think you and me both need to get some rest. Yeah, we got to power down. It's been quite the uh, quite the stretch. Yes. But I want to say once again, everyone, please, if you are in oh, – actually, no, Chris, before I do that, how do people get in touch with us here? Well, you can write us here at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com. You can find me on various forms of social media at Damien. Uh, you can also find me in Los Angeles this Sunday. If you're listening to this when this came, came, comes out, which will probably be Thursday morning, hopefully. Knock on wood. Um, so <laughs> Thursday, if you're Sunday, February 25th, come out to resident in Los Angeles for the live punk wrestling connection. Turn out a punk episode that I'm doing. It's going to be a lot of fun. 3 p.m. Uh, Nathan from Waves, Bob from Best Coast, uh, Tuna, um, uh, uh, Riley. There's so many people are going to be there. It's going to be fucking ridiculous. I don't know how I'm going to fit it all together. It's going to be like a clown car. <laughs> it'll be good. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. Uh, but that's it, Chris. Anything you want to add? No, I'm good. I think it was good. I'm. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you, and I'm curious to hear about your adventure next week. I'm excited to tell you all about it, buddy. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Go out there and do what you do, and we will see you next week. At that oh, point, and it okay. wasn't 
until I sat down and was like, oh, fuck, they're probably the best band of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other ones that I was just like... For me, it was like kind of ones that I think people listen to the show and certainly you are not going to be surprised by, but Misfits were the one for me for ages. Mm-hmm. But not really anything political other than just like the people I knew that tended to like that were always just kind of dicks or assholes or whatever. And so they always rubbed me the wrong way, even though I could never deny that some of the music is definitely decent, but like I just couldn't get into it. And the other one was the Exploited, because for whatever reason, early on, I'm talking like when I was young, this mm-hmm. is when I was still like interested in metal and kind of just new stuff by like T-shirt logo kind of looking things. I didn't know their music really, and there was like a kind of local, not quite what he's discussing, like the white power thing or whatever, but there was definitely like you know, kind of sketchy young skinhead types that were like weird that always repped that kind of stuff. So my association with that group like early on was not good. And then it took me some time to like kind of like break that whatever association in my head and then actually kind of, you know, give those records a chance, of which of course they're great. But um, yeah, those were the two that jumped out at me. I just thought it was a funny thing of like kind of bands being ruined for you and then you realizing like, well, hold on, wait, maybe I'm <laughs> not... You know, whatever, whatever you want to say. About it's, it, well, it's even weirder when you kind of like, you know, get through it and realize, like, even as you're older, like, oh no, they they kind of were. The band was a little yep. dodgy, like you know, like listen to Jello talk about the exploited. Yeah, ex- of course. I still think I yeah, that one's a difficult one because I don't. I see what he's saying. I still think it's a little unfair to 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 completely call them, you know, something that. I feel I, I don't know if his I agree entirely with his accusations what I'm trying to say. But I do yeah, I get what you mean there. Like what you were discussing in the first two we brought up. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah, it's it's funny how especially in your formative years that can be like a big a big thing. Um and for me, like again, another example probably was and I don't obviously feel this way because I really like the early records, but um, Deglo was one for me that I couldn't mm-hmm. get around for mm-hmm. a minute because of the association in the era of like, you know, like sort of the prominent propaganda era is what I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, that the kind of stuff that they were like provoking was really not, you know, I was really not down with. And uh, now, of course, I see it in a different light, although I don't really I'm not a big fan of the era of that group, to be fair. Yeah, um, it's, so, but, it's so hard to get behind any lyrics uh, from that band at any era. <laughs> That's like, true. Like, that, certainly, that is true. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like I'm going back to the the first album and being like, no, they, they, they've got <laughs> some good. They've got some good points on some of these things. <laughs> no, some really but, sketchy yeah. ass songs in that first LP. Yes, but I just mean to say that, you know, like I just aside from that, you know, the records, the early records, I do enjoy. I don't think the era of which I am discussing was entirely representative of what that group was initially not mm-hmm. to say they weren't mm-hmm. always kind of provoking in that sort of punk sensationalistic way but um or, or whatever classic punk sensationalistic way however you want to phrase it i would say forgotten but, rebels too if we're talking like that style of band and i'm like bands yeah with eras that you you know and then like <clears throat> bands with lyrics that obviously now i understand you know doesn't take away the fact that they're super offensive and i can see why people will not be able to get past that yeah, but at the same time, like I can see that they were, you know, they weren't intending these as to be taken at face value. Yeah, they were satire, of course. Yeah, yeah. they're probably the best 
example of that actually because mm-hmm. uh, I liked that group very very early on well not of course they're much <laughs> older than I am but when I first heard them I liked them then of course I like you know you get a bit of a conscience and then I thought oh well this is a little whatever and then I again I also like you had to eventually reckon with the idea like oh yeah this isn't like you know this is like you know taking a shot at this more mm-hmm. than like but again <laughs> they're fans uh yeah yeah their fans didn't always get it <laughs> no exactly of this of the eras we're talking about. these are very specific regional things that we're kind of hashing out here, yeah but, but I yeah. think these things played out Oh, everywhere. <coughs> you know, like... Agreed, yeah. At that time period, I think this was something that, you know, seemed like it was it was kind of everywhere that people were dealing with this, with these bands and fan bases that, that you know, you know, you had the Nazis that would show up at shows. No, agreed. Yeah. And they, it wasn't as big a problem as the generations before you and I, but... No. Well, still especially existed. where we are, because we had the BFGs. Yeah, yeah true. And as you've heard, you can, once again, listeners, if you haven't, <clears throat> go back and listen to, you can hear the story of how the BFGs beat Nazis across Canada over the course <clears throat> of a couple episodes. If you listen to the Propagandi episode, um, yeah, there's a couple episodes where they kind of talk about, you know. The Jordan one, big time. And, and Chris. It's discussed in the Jordan one, too, yeah. Yeah, and Chris has that moment where he's <clears throat> that show when the BFGs played, and it was just like, oh, yeah, we can fight these Nazis. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a, a pretty good, it's pretty cool, pretty pretty yep. uh, cool moment um, of kids standing up. Uh, but anyway, anyway, um, yeah, we didn't really have to deal with it in the same sort of way I think as other cities had to deal with it. But that's still you know there's still like shows like that Misfit show when all those Nazis showed up and beat all those kids up and stabbed someone or something and. You know, yeah, I think I think it was more of obviously like it's still arguably an issue, of course, but mm-hmm. um, that era was seemed a little people seemed to be a little more susceptible to <clears throat> tolerating aspects of it. I think now, like, well, certainly people don't tolerate it, obviously, but like the um, I don't know, there's something I, I don't see like talking about better now than then. That is one thing. <laughs> Uh, for me, unequivocally, but and it's not to say it's gone, but uh, it's certainly not to any degree that I've experienced since the early '90s. Mm-hmm. So, which is a benefit, of course. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know what we were discussing on the back of the disliking bands for their for their fan bases idea, but um, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was interesting though him discussing that. And I think it's interesting that a guy that likes, you know, aggressive music so much dislikes Pantera and Slayer. Yeah, like I think he now that, respects them yeah. as like an adult looking at it. But I think, yeah. you know, once again, it's the association and there's something, you know, like you can't, you know, there's something you can't get past. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, a, a, a pretty uh, reasonable one to not be able to get past. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as I said, both bands have members that have said some pretty horrendous things that, you know, <laughs> might have been like dog whistles to these <laughs> types of kids. Perhaps, yes. Uh, but I guess, uh, is there anything else you want to get to from this episode? I can't think. That's the only notes I had were the ones other than you kind of, you know, earlier before we recorded. <clears throat> we discussed the uh, your rev over victory thing, which of course. Oh, yes, you know, the controversy. Yes. 
We've, this has yeah. become a major controversy. Um, <clears throat> I kind of would like to amend my original thing because I know my, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying like victory until the year 2000, you know, because then I yeah. can have hate breed and I can have all those integrity records in there. Uh, yes, I have to put in Baby Goffle and the Hi-Fi and the Roadburner stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, like, Rev had some pretty lean years in there. Yeah. And then, like, once Bob Shedd comes in and kickstart the Rev re- Renaissance, and you have yeah. all those great bands signing a Revelation, and that continues to this day. Um, and, you know, like, over on the other side, things went pretty downhill at Victory. <laughs> You know, there's a couple moments there where they put out some cool stuff, but, like, you know. So, I would say, like, I'm just saying, like, up until the year 2000. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm saying, you know. I think that's even too many years, to be honest. You think? <laughs> oh, well, it's, I don't know, maybe See, that, not. That's, but... how, that's, how, that's how victory wins in the, in, in the 90s, the late 90s. <laughs> By your estimation, sure. Um... What, who are you, what, Will Haven? Oh, no, no. Like, I'll take Cabri over Will Haven. Oh, no, for sure. Same. Absolutely. Um, I'm just looking at up to 2000. What, Kiss what Goodbye. I would definitely say Kiss Goodbye is there. <clears throat> well, you're on Rev. I'm looking at <laughs> Victory first here to see, you know, to be blunt about it, to see how much I don't approve of gets in under the radar there. Uh, Some good shit, though. Uh, yeah, there, yeah. It's not as bad as I remember. No. It's pretty awesome. Up to 2000. I thought it was bad. I, yeah, it got really dark after that. Yeah, it gets really it gets really bad at a certain point. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, you're not bad. You're pretty well, yeah. There's still, you know, again, of course, in hindsight especially, there's a lot I don't like on this. But, um, yeah, re- like... We when we were discussing this before, it was very much the early catalog, so that was the debate was very clear. Yeah. But yeah, if you're going to extend the the you know a wider net, then yeah, it's going to be more of a close discussion. But I still think that early rest is so strong that it's hard to not take it. But um, yeah, awake featuring the sick of it all's manager is the first thing on the victory catalog, um, pre victory records, but the first thing on the catalog. Inner Strength, Integrity, Billingsgate, you know, Insight, the very, the amazing Only the Strong comp. It's true. That is great. Yeah. But, again, the amazing Only the Strong comp is not better than your comp. No, not better. <laughs> but no. it's pretty you, You're saying it. You can just end your sentence right there. No, not better, period. But, yes. No, I don't know. I'm going to say almost like... I don't know. There's some pretty hard songs on this. <laughs> it's like a pretty cool comp. It's yeah. great, but you are, you have the two comps. You have together, and you have the way it is. And both. That's not better than either. No, it's not better than the way it is comp. But I don't know. I'm trying to look. Let me get the together track list down and do a side by side comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Where here's what we should discuss: both labels from say like '95 up. Who has the better catalog? That's a tough one. Uh, I was going victory, but like once again, not to like if we're going to the present day, 100 percent revelation. But that's like no, that starts with Bob Shed kind of coming in and kickstarting, like you know, signing hardcore bands again, and like kind of like you know, 
obviously Rev kind of people, other people getting at Revelation afterwards and, and continuing that trend. And why yeah. are there, there's some weird, like, it's this is very strange. I'm looking up um, the Rev thing and I'm looking in like the late 90s and it's got like Converge records in here. I'm like, why does it have Converge? What? Yeah, it has like when forever comes crashing and from '98, but it's clearly an Equal Vision record. I don't know why it's throwing. Maybe they were doing distribution for Equal Vision at that point. Could be. And that's, how just it's, like, that's how it's on the cog somehow. Yeah, I'm just like, why is that on there? Or like, this is weird. Because even like, I'm like, they put out an Ink and Dagger record. I'm like, no, they didn't. No. And no, they did. They actually did put out a seven inch. Oh, okay. For the experiments in nocturnal sound and energy in '98. I forgot about that. Yeah, I totally forgot huh. about that too. I'm not an Elliot fan, so I no me me either. No, I agree. So. Although many people are, many and people I, are. I, I lived through it. I know how many there are. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that would be like. A, no, it's know. not the same. Yeah, and I think like the fact that we have satisfaction is the death of desire, which we've already established is yeah you know probably the most influential like moment changing even people that hated that record reacted to it in a way you know so it's uh you know the the fact that they have that record i don't think there's anything on rev that came out during that period that had that kind of impact on worlds of punk and hardcore no agreed uh to that level certainly either i do think though i think elliot is a good mention in the sense that it was a big Mm -hmm. like the people that love that group love that group Mm -hmm. but it's not quite the same thing for me. It's certainly not punk. I'll say that much. Um, yeah, like, and also like, let's be, you know, uh, are you are you including the year nineteen ninety five for a victory? Well, I'm just thinking ninety five four. What's okay, ninety five though? Because ninety five, you've got, uh, um, you've got uh, the what the fuck is this? Uh, anyway, you've got the One Life Crew record, right? Lyrics yeah. terrible, but music. <laughs> uh, you've got All Out War. You've got yeah. the Destroy the Machines came yep. out. You have Integrity Systems Overload. You have yep. Snapcase Steps. Once again, I'm not the biggest Snapcase fan in the world, but like, pretty important record. Uh, yeah, I'm not, that one doesn't get included for me. All due respect. Just, uh, well, you know, but I still think you can you can definitely see that that record had an impact. No, no, yeah. Everyone I talk to is into that record that likes that band. I, yeah. I've never been a fan of that record, but um, yeah. And then you have uh, Bloodlet, Dead Guy, Fixation on the Coworker. Yeah, that's and a the big Integrity one. 10-inch. Yeah. You know, all in 1995. Mm-hmm. No, I think I might be on board with the 95 up argument. Well, not to present, but ninety five to like two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. That's when I'm like I. You could even cut it off beforehand, but I just picked two thousand as a round number. Because then, Chris, like ninety six, you've got, and I know for you this is a big one. Path of Resistance. You've got. Yeah, I love it. But for you, you're the one who's for both of us. You're well, the one now that, that I sold out, it can't. It can't have as much. <laughs> yes, but what I, I mean know. to say is, like if it was I a Path of Resistance record, record, but it's about all the friends getting together about smoking cannabis. <laughs> Now I would be really into it. And like on the back cover, it's just like a bunch of people like with Bella Clavas on and like like bandanas, but with like bongs. 
AKA, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is, um, for the listener, why I say what I say, which is a funny little friendship anecdote here, is that I scored an original copy of this record off of a bandmate of Damien's, and he <laughs> aggressively, pretty much for me scoring it, the second I scored it, aggressively <laughs> traded for me to get it immediately. That's why it was like you saying, I love it. You you actually basically pried it out of my hands at one time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was yeah, definitely, when I wanted a record, there was a certain relentlessness to what me. Yes. But yeah, no, no, it was, was definitely fun, one of the best yeah. records of all time, but I cannot enjoy it in the same way. I should probably, you know, trade it back to you now because <laughs> you, either way, you will enjoy it now on a level that I can't understand it. I have it. I got, I, I ended up getting another original copy of it. Yeah. I'm oh, good. okay. Well then, uh, there you go. Uh, Warzone. Another uh, one, another one we're forgetting. This is a big one for me because this record is amazing. In Cold Blood, Hell on Earth from 98. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going, I'm saying that's a killer record too. Yeah. There's also the Refused record, you know, like. Yeah, the one before. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. There's, there's some like real big stuff on this label. Like. No, you're, you've, yeah, you've got me on the 95 up argument. Well, yeah. whatever. 2000, whatever. Yeah, like, you, and, you know. Like, like there's what, some bad victory. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, objectively, like, all due respect. I, there's a lot I don't like here, but. I like. There's a lot I really like. Yeah, yeah, I never. Like even that, like the Scarhead record is amazing. The Scarhead <laughs> like, record is fucking incredible. Like it really is. Like and so the Blood for Blood some, stuff is fucking yeah, blood pretty for blood. awesome. Agreed. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. The even the uh, even the like Damnation AD seven inch they put out is fucking sick. That's more your thing, but yeah, I uh, I can acknowledge that it's uh, it's the. Whatever it's it's like you worthy. I wonder what the point is where you're like, like Victory always had weird records though, so it's not like there was like a real point where you're oh, like, yeah. oh, what's going on here, guys? You're right. It's about two thousand though. It's like you got two thousand. You have, um, um, you have that uh, uh, like a what is it here? I just passed it. That bizarre like shelter like kind of reunion record. Yeah. And then you have like that crazy Earth Crisis like going for it record, but it's af- I think that was after the major label one. Yeah, they did, which was and this one is far worse than the major label one. Um, you have a Judge Judge seven inch in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, which I also didn't realize Victory put out. But then see like two thousand, like they did like <laughs> Cockney Rejects. Oh, like a reissue of the like Cockney Rejects, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like what? Like holy bizarre! Like truly bizarre label. Like, yeah, you got the buried alive though. Like up until that point, you got yeah. like up until that point is still like still pretty good. And then yeah, something happens. Yeah, yeah, it's a wow. Is the shelter voices fire split on the label? Oh, it's a promo tape. <laughs> Apparently, but yeah, your uh, your ninety five to two thousand argument is very strong, and I'm I. I I'm going to side with you on the victory side on that one. Yeah, like I wonder but, where it is that, you know, you could say that Rev overtakes victory. I mean, victory overtakes Rev, I should say. You know, because like I, I now will concede, you know, yes, the first 10 are fucking better on Revelation than they are on victory. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, the victory first 10 aren't like, it's not like they're a terrible label in the beginning. Like, They've oh, got some yeah, pretty yeah. strong releases right out of the gate. But yeah. there must be a point where there's a switch where you can be like, okay, Rev 
Rev can't catch up. And is it that 1995 year or it, no, it ha- must happen no, it's, sooner. It's probably a little earlier, but it's 90 because I'm looking where I start to fall off is around 92, three ish. There's a yeah. few little things, but it, for me, it, I, that's where I start to kind of come out. Although, eh, no, because they, well, the Civ record came out on a major label. It also came out on their label on vinyl, I guess. But yeah, so I don't know. They got the odd one. Yeah, it's, it's not like a terrible label. Like they had Kissing no, Goodbye, no. you know. Like it yeah, was never yeah, like yeah. a terrible label, but no, like agreed, yeah. they did have yeah, like the the period where they weren't signing, you know, the 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 amazing bands they were signing early on, and the bands they've been signing in the last sort of decade plus two decades. Yeah. Again, like for me, it's just sonically I wasn't as into it. It's not to say that, you know, for me, I just don't think it's sonically in like the early whatever what the label was known for. So that was more my kind of gripe or whatever you want to say. But mm-hmm. um, and that's why I like the kind of the the sort of knucklehead era of the victory stuff to a degree. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, I think it might happen in 1991, 92. They don't really. They put out one. Set, they put out an ice burn seven. It's the only thing they put out in nineteen ninety one. So, it does not happen in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it's like one, one yep. release. It's like, yeah, this is all the world needs from us this year. <laughs> uh, it's a good single, though. I'm not. I'm not just talking the single, but. Yeah. Well, the joke here would be that it probably took the whole year to listen to the one song on that seven inch <laughs> because it's probably. 365 days long. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. They put out, they went in deep, but I guess 1993 would be the point. Yeah, around there. Exactly. Earth Crisis, Firestorm, Snapcase, Looking Glass, Self. Exactly, yeah. And uh, Only the Strong. Only the Strong. Uh, Warzone Live. Yeah. It actually is. It's 93 because they both start with Warzone. Yeah. <laughs> like basically. It's like, oh, it's 93. Okay, does Warzone start this off again? Yep, here we yeah. go. Warzone. Warzone made the jump. Warzone was like the... the uh, Warzone could tell which way the wind was blowing. <laughs> like, yeah, they true. had been on a major label and they had done some weird stuff. <laughs> they, yeah. they were like, at this point, they were like, okay, we're back. And we're not going to go back to Rev. <laughs> There's these new guys in town. And that's where we're going to take this party. Yep. Yeah, so it's around 93. I think you got a good argument. Rev... Beginning to 93, and then 93 to 2000-ish, I would say, is victory territory in that debate of them versus one another. And then it's some, I don't know when it then flips back, but yeah. It's kind of like wrestling with WCW versus WWE. <laughs> WWE I, after the time. You know, it's like, fitting, that analogy. It actually really is. I do it, like, it overtakes it for a little bit, but then ultimately like Rev yeah. comes back and... and, and you know, crushes it with it, its relevancy compared to some of Victory's weirdness. Well, yeah, and I think it just became, they became very, very different things ultimately. Like, you know, they, they were just signing, well, they were signing different kind of bands, but they were also signing bands, like, of the era. One of them was really kind of seemingly going for, like, a really, really big commercial um whatever you want to say, like like reaching, trying to reach that commercial thing. I don't know if Rev, I mean, I'm sure every record label tries to a degree, but like, you know, there's nothing, I don't know. Like I just remember, to, again, back to touring in the early 2000s, adjacent to some of these 
the the records like the bands that victory were putting out it was like insane some of the groups that i was like seeing them put out that would explode mm-hmm. and it was just stuff that was just nothing like the era we're discussing here yeah like of course even with the era, yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say the, the like the era that we're saying they become irrelevant is when they become massively successful. Exactly, yeah, and that's the irony to people like you and I. Yeah, that's the case. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, and it's I don't know I commercially or whatever you know who's to say who's wrong here. But I I just I didn't vibe with any of that stuff personally. But um, and they always put out they always did take shots on stuff and they always had like weird releases, but. Um, I don't know. It got very weird, <laughs> probably about like 2000 up. Like it just started getting crazy. Yeah. Like there's this like, like new label they have, I guess. And, uh, it's like a, uh, it's like a pop punk label. It's called mutant league. Oh, I don't even know. Okay. And, uh, there's like, I don't know. It's really weird. There's like, uh, like like it's just like homegrown's on it. What's okay. the same homegrown like the California pop punk band? I don't know, maybe. And a band called Crywank. <laughs> okay. And, and Movie Life is on there too. Oh, and it's like they've weird. got all these sub labels. Huh. Another Victory Inc. They put it a day to remember. Yeah, I don't oh, know. That's their publishing I... arm. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I think we're winding down on this topic now. I think we've yeah, I think we are. I think, I think you can hear the air <laughs> leaving the balloon right now. Yeah, with this one. But that was a hot topic for a while. Yep, pun intended. Pun All right, totally intended when you talk about victory. <laughs> uh, I guess that's it. Should that, is that? Should we want to get to any Kevin Drew stuff or? I don't know. I think we should wrap because I think we we mind that enough. But if you want it, I don't know. If no, you we'll want see. to talk about some, sure. No, we'll see. You can save it for another day because I, I feel he didn't really get a footnotes. No, like, I mean, sort of... we can certainly... Yeah. And actually, nor did Freddie Alva, too, for that matter, but we kind of talked about that a little bit. Like, there was some, I'm yeah. sure, other stuff we could get to for both those episodes. But, Chris, this is a long one. Yeah. So we should we should probably let people uh, move <laughs> yeah. on with their lives and stop yeah, worrying exactly. about victory versus revelation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. Um, well, everyone, thank you for joining us in the protective bubble where things like victory or rev becomes important that we like to call turn it a punk footnotes. Uh, yeah. We please... just figured it out though. Was that, we did figure we it out. We did figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We did. I think that's the thing is like, we've now finally, we put that one to bed. I think so. Personally. I think so. Like, like no one, well, now that I said that, someone's going to come with an email, but like, I really, <laughs> I, I will accept arguments. Like both Chris and I, I think we'll accept arguments, but like, you know, as assured as we are that Off the Disc is the greatest hardcore record label of all time, <laughs> we are assured that we have now cracked the Rev Victory <laughs> debate. I have no comment on that, but it's amusing. Dude, go, well, next time we get on the show, we'll go through the Discogs of that. That is an incredible catalog. Yes, of course. Infest. Yeah. Dude, it's not even like Infest, Sleep, uh, Morbid Angel. Yeah, uh, like it's, it's it's those last two aren't hardcore bands or punk bands, but go but, on. But like the fact that he connects them to hardcore and punk. Yes, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the fact that they've got that root there, you know. Anyway, yeah, we can get onto this next. This is a topic for another day. 
Uh, <laughs> next week on the show, we've got a, an amazing episode. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, it's one of my favorite bands, a band that I don't know, uh, Chris, n- you know, not as not a big an impact on your life as they had on mine. No. Uh, yeah. But I think they had a big impact on a lot of other people's lives. And that is Blake from Jawbreaker will be on the show next week. And, uh, you know, Chris, even if you're not the biggest Jawbreaker fan, I think you, I, I don't think, I know you're a fan of some of the stuff he talks about, of all the stuff. Oh, he talks sure. About. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I'm not saying it to be like a cool guy that's like, you know, making a point to say I'm not a fan of the group. I just, I've never, I've never been that guy. So it's just, I, it's, it's like a, uh, it just never hit me. Yeah, and it's I not to it. say I think they're. I don't feel. I don't feel they're a bad band. I just never, never got into it. I get it, but you're going to get into it next week, buddy. All oh, right. Oh, you better believe it. Um, <laughs> that is next week on the show. Uh, how do they get in touch with us here, Chris? If they want to send us an email, uh, they can reach us at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at gmail dot com, and I welcome your bizarre theories on Rev versus Victory. Um, and you can find me on various forms of social media <clears throat> at Left for Damien. I too welcome your uh, bizarre theories about Rev versus Victory <laughs> and any other things you want to talk about of that nature. I've had a pretty active timeline the last couple of days. In, in, thanks to the Freddy <laughs> King episode. I'm going to say this is the most controversial episode we've ever had. Um, you think? I don't think so. Well, just because of this thing. Oh, yeah, okay. Well. You know, this is the, this is the hot debate this week on my timeline. Um, okay, gotcha, yeah. So, and I think that's, that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you want to follow Chris on social media, you can follow him at, at mind your own damn business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, if you would like to send us a message at Facebook, my brother, Tristan Abraham, show producer, runs yes. a Facebook page, send him messages. He's been killing it with guest booking lately. Yes. Um, <clears throat> you can imagine that Brody King was one of my bookings, but. He's he's got a lot of people and more keep coming and uh, yeah it's gonna it, Chris knows Chris knows what's coming up. I know how important uh, your brother is to this operation and I think he's a lovely human being. So yes, props always. Yeah, and so we've got Blake next week, um, and then we've got a couple that I think are going to uh, you know be kind of surprises for people. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, that's in the near future. Thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.